For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Ramos, 2-2 pitch on the way. Cabrera takes strike three calls. And the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. To the back, Oduya shot deflected. Spamble, they score! Three to two with less than a minute to go. Sean Garmer and Gary Vaughn. All right, we are live, and and this is the first episode ever of Football to Football, where we cover pretty much everything in sports with a highlights on American football and soccer. So uh, yeah. today we have uh, an English Premier League. 2013-2014 season, and I have a few guests with me today, but uh, first let me introduce my co-host, Gary Vaughn. That's me, and yes, I'm looking forward to a brand new podcast. It's going to be so much fun, Sean. You know, we never really get a chance to sit down and just talk sports for a while, and now we're finally going to get to do it, and do it in a pretty broad spectrum. we got a lot of stuff from football to football, of course, but hey, I'm excited. we got a lot of other stuff to talk about too, I'm sure, in the future. Yes, uh, 
next week will be a college football preview, which isn't my forte, so hopefully our guests can deal with that. <laughs> and then we'll have a NFL season preview, so that one's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. So. But uh, right now, it's all about the English Premier League. And I think that was the theme from like 05 or something. Sorry, the one oh, they have now kind of sucks. Is it really? Is that bad? So, yeah, it's just pretty generic. Okay. Anyway, let me introduce our guests. Uh, if you don't know, this is like an extension of our Outside the Ropes segment that we used to have on our Wrestling to the Max podcast. So you might have heard of these guys before if you listen to that. If not, be prepared because some these guys are some of the most knowledgeable about soccer all around the world, and hopefully they don't let me down after I just hype them up that much. Yeah, well, I can vouch for these guys because <laughs> I I don't know much about soccer, and from what I've gathered from them, geez, these guys are brainiacs when it comes to that sport. Well, uh, coming all the way from Texas, by the way, of Bosnia. We have Slatan Hazic. Hello, everyone. And uh, by the way of Los Angeles, California, currently in San Luis, we have Matthew Pollard. Ginger Ninja at your service. And last but not least, also from the Texas area, Joaquin Garcia. What's up? Sorry, I couldn't have those entrance themes right now. I just uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of running late. Uh, anyway, before we get into the EPL stuff, uh, Matt had uh, requested that we have a little debate first. Nope. Because if you don't know, Clint Dempsey has returned to Major League Soccer. So apparently the internet has decided that we need to have this debate about who's better, Landon Donovan or Clint Dempsey. So Matt, you have the floor. Okay. Um, first of all, for our first-time listeners on the broadcast, I'm going to preface all of my statements for the show that I am a Los Angeles Galaxy supporter and a Manchester United supporter, so I could have some bias. In honesty, I think there's really no competition as far as this argument um, the a lot of the arguments that have been going on have been in the context of the national team. Obviously, you know, Clint Dempsey spent more time over in Europe. I think he was in uh, Fulham for four or five years, and then this past year at Spurs, where you know Donovan spent I think a grand total of thirty total games that he's even been a part of when he was uh, an Evertonian. So I think obviously from the European perspective. You know, Dempsey has the lead in terms of goals, but in the context of the national team, Donovan's been the captain. You know, he has, I want to say, close to 70 more caps than him. He's got about 15 more goals. He's been the face of the franchise, and not to sort of argue this similarly to how we would argue between two candidates for the Heisman Trophy, but, you know, Donovan has more, I guess, Heisman moments, even going back to the Algeria goal that he scored and just other moments where he came up big where there was nobody else and he saved the United States. So in honesty, I think this is an absolute landslide to Landon Donovan. 
That being said, we have both of them sort of making a revival in their career. Dempsey coming back, being more prominent with the national team, and being with the and being with the Seattle Sounders, and Donovan obviously coming back from his sabbatical and tearing it up in the Gold Cup. And now we have them both in the same conference in the same league, competing for the same trophies. So this next year, or however long that they're both going to be in MLS, is going to be intriguing. Anybody want to add to that? Uh, I mean, to me, I can't compare them to because to me they're different style of players. I believe Donovan the more flashy. The guy that's going to set up more teammates but can also strike whenever needed. Point being against FC Dallas, the dude had three goals, which were amazing. Um, Dempsey isn't really the most flashiest player in the world. Nothing like that to me. To me, he's like one of those tough, rugged players that will dominate the midfield, but when he needs to attack, he can attack. He can score goals when needed. And he comes up big at a moment. So, to me, they're both pretty great players for the United States. I don't really like comparing them two because I just don't see, don't see them having the same style of game, but... If I would have to say somebody's better, I'd probably say Landon because he, he, he's, he's a threat passing and shooting. So to me, he's just on that base better. Joaquin, you want to add in here? No, not really. I mean, they said pretty much everything, you know, there needed to be said. I and mean, it's clear, clearly uh, Donovan's better because of what he's done. He's done more. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it can go either way, but, you know, like they said, uh, Diamond's, you know, better and so forth. Yeah, I think there's a reason why Landon's always been Captain America. You know, people would dispute the meaning of that because the Bocanegra was given that name too. But without him, you wouldn't have any of the success that or a large majority of it that the U.S. team has had over the years. I mean, it hasn't really been until Clemson's been here that Dempsey's really gone to that next level with the U.S. team. Yeah, he's been the stalwart of the U.S. as far as who you showcase when you talk about being in England and and all that stuff. Landon, as y'all mentioned, didn't too shabby himself. So, really overall, I don't think you can even put the two on any kind of level until we start seeing what Clint does here and say maybe he takes the Sounders to a MLS Cup win or something because Landon even has him on that. Wow. So Landon is, and you guys know I'm not a big soccer guy, but it sounds like to me that, I mean, everybody here is thinking that he is like the top dog, right? I mean, that he is the guy compared. So Dempsey, explain to me why Dempsey isn't at that level. Well, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't. I didn't mean to talk down Dempsey in that aspect. Dempsey is still arguably one of the top five players on this national team. His ticket's already been punched to Brazil, barring any injury or something. So Dempsey is still a great player. We're just saying that Donovan's better. I think he has more of that it factor. He's proven in the past that he can be the catalyst for attack. Where you know Dempsey's really just more of the finisher, and there needs to be built-up service. When he can get into space on his own, he can create his own chances. But at the end of the day, the ball still needs to get to him in order for him to finish it. 
And okay. Gary, for you and then for anybody else watching this, go back and watch 2010 highlights of the World Cup and you will see probably one of the biggest, most crazy, you know, it's it's one of those like with the NBA, you know, where were you when uh, when uh, Michael Jordan had the flu game and made the shot? That is that oh, yeah. moment for Landon Donovan scoring the Algeria goal for any U.S. national team soccer fan. Oh, okay. That's actually at the end of our intro. Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big comparison. You know, you're talking about the Jordan shot, so that, I mean, that, that definitely shows me that that was definitely an important moment in the World Cup. You know, so that, that was just my question. You know, I'm just a red-blooded American who hasn't had a chance to really get into soccer, and I, I just was curious about this debate because of that reason. You know, I, Dempsey sounds like he's been a great player for years, but I totally understand. Landon is the more well-rounded guy. That's why you're giving him the props. I get it. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of had this conversation on our Facebook and stuff, but for the people that are listening or will listen eventually, everybody's already had this debate, but are we going to say it's bad for Dempsey to come back to MLS? Should he stay at Tottenham? Should he have tried to go to another EPL team or whatever? Well, or is well, this the best situation for him? Well, to me, to me, I just feel like he's being a hypocrite for everything he's, you know, done, and then and then go to L- LMS, uh, LMS. Sorry about that. I'm. Ugh. Anyway, like I like I was saying, uh, he's being a hypocrite for you know going back to the states. If you if you ask if you ask me, because because uh, of everything he said, Cause he said he wanted Champions League. Okay, so he he starts being you know a a, a bitch about. Uh, about you know um, not being able to to go to go to a higher level and compete and do things like that, you know that's why he didn't want to uh, sign a contract with Fulham when he's been there for uh, most of his European career, and and then and then he gets to go to Tottenham and then he leaves after after like a season. I mean, you know you don't you don't do that. You know talk talk a lot and then you know. Make another and make another move that isn't what you said in the past. You know, if if that if you get what I'm saying. Either one of you want to. Well, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I disagree with Dempsey the way he treated the whole situation, saying when he moved from Fulham to Tottenham, it was based off playing in Europe, and then when that failed and he couldn't get into the Champions League these last year and a half he's played with Tottenham. I think he just basically gave up and said, screw it, I'm going to go to the MLS, I'm going to play out this season, and then get ready for the World Cup and try to show out there and get that final contract, a big contract from a European team where they will give me a contract but for a Champions League team. And that's, that's what I think he's doing. I mean, I agree he is a little bit of a hypocrite the way he handled the whole situation. But I think in the, in his he's looking at it for the future. And he's kind of playing it smart because the MLS is not – he doesn't have too much of the season left plus the playoffs. And then when the season starts next year, he's got two or three months of games and then he's getting ready for the World Cup. Whereas if he, was, if he would have stayed with Tottenham – He'd be playing this whole entire year, and then he goes into the World Cup with far less energy or even a risk of an injury 
So I think he sees the benefits of playing in MLS right now. It's big for the league, but for the image of U.S. soccer and trying to put out your players, kind of like putting us putting the U.S. back a little bit because, you know, Tim Howard's still over there. There's other U.S. players over there. I just think he's 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 doing it to benefit himself and not really look at trying to help a team like Tottenham even qualify for the Champions League. I think he just gave up and is deciding this is the ultimate, the best route for him. Uh, another thing also, I think Klinsman doesn't like that he's going back to the States because <laughs> he, he's always been, uh, you know, go to Europe as much as possible. Try to compete at the highest level that you can. Try to, you know, uh, get you to, uh, you know, work harder and train harder. And it will help you become a better a better player. And uh, it will help the, the U.S. national team, you know, uh, maybe even achieve their goals of winning maybe one day or something. And I, I just think that uh, I guess he's pissed and stuff. Matt, yeah. you have a... Um, I'm still I'm still a little bit on the fence. I'm hesitant to judge Dempsey on this. I don't think that enough time has been given for all the details and every single side of how this deal went down to share their story. I mean, obviously, there's the suspicion thrown out there, you know, that Dempsey wanted to come home and that, you know, he wanted his kids born and raised in the United States. And if that's honestly what he wanted, then I honestly can't blame him for that. You know, wanting to come home, especially knowing that he'd get a DP contract, that, you know, in being a DP in the in MLS, he wouldn't have to go through allocation. He could pick where he wanted to play and be in a situation that he was comfortable with. So if that's truly the thing, you know, I can't totally disagree with that. On the plus side for him, one thing that he didn't have a whole lot of at Tottenham was playing time. And if there's anything he's going to guarantee get, albeit maybe maybe not necessarily at the position at, at varying positions on the Sounders with Siggy Schmidt, it's going to be playing time. So I think that's definitely going to help him in that sense. Um, we'll see how it goes. I don't really know what's going to happen with this, to be honest, for him or for the Sounders. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you, Matt. We're kind of a little bit too quick to judge him because – Honestly, isn't this what's important most more than anything is that he plays? Because if he sits on the bench at Tottenham, it doesn't help Team USA. Obviously, yes, he's going to have those three or four months where MLS is not in season. And couldn't he go and do a Landon Donovan thing for those three months? And that takes care of him there? I believe, and then he comes back. Actually, I believe that's actually an option in his contract. So, you know, we could see where, you know, Robbie Keane's done this in the past. Terry Henry's done this in the past. The big DPs have done this in the past. I believe that's also in his contract. I don't know if it's specifically with Spurs or with someone else, but I'm sure definitely he could go that route if he really wanted to, you know, get, you know, get the fire in his belly for that, especially leading into the World Cup to keep up his form. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, if he really mat, if it playing time really mattered to him, then why did he leave for him? Other than you know maybe Champions League spot, because well, not to I mean, not to go back. Go he's, ahead. He's getting playing time there, and then second of all, if you're gonna get transferred, he could have told Fulham easily, no, I don't want to go to Tottenham because I won't play. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure there's other teams in Europe, not just England, that would have offered him a solid position in the midfield 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As a striker in another league. So he can't really say he wanted more playing time. That's why he came here. You had the options of basically choosing where you wanted to coming out of Fulham. He could have. He didn't have to choose Tottenham. He didn't. He could have told the team, no, I don't wish to go to Tottenham. Because there were other teams willing to buy him at the time. So if that really matters, he would not have gone to Tottenham a year and a half ago. Okay. I agree completely with you on on several points that you made. I know we didn't really get into this, but in all honesty, I thought he never should have left Fulham. You know, I think that he had a good situation there. I think he could have been successful there. You know, look at what Brian McBride did, you know, where he was the captain of a team and, you know, three, four years, you know, he was in the hunt of the golden boot race to save Fulham from being relegated. So I agree with you completely. I don't think he ever should have left Fulham. Um, that being said, I mean, I think he could have gone other places in Europe and still gotten playing time. But I think, again, I go back to the point of, you know, there's the rumor that, you know, family and his kids and the family situation was really the driving force. And it was one of those things where, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, going into it, you know, now we're going to get into this later. But, you know, I think Spurs is really trying to make a push to turn the big four and the EPL into the big five. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be more of the same this year. So, you know, if you're looking at Dempsey's situation where he could get transferred, it's, okay, I want to go to a place I can get more playing time. I want to get paid my money. You know, I kind of want a good situation for my family, and I want to be able to win MLS big DP contract Seattle Sounders. So, again, I'm still – we haven't gotten the full story, so I'm hesitant to judge, but I agree with you that he could have gone other places in Europe and still had success and still gotten more playing time. So there must be more right. to it. And isn't this what we bashed Landon for? Because he puts, oh, my family, I don't want to have to leave L.A. My wife doesn't want to leave L.A. That's why I don't go to England full time. I mean, family is family. I'm not going to touch that subject as far as, I think Matt handled it well as far as if that's really his big deal. Then I don't think any of us can dispute that because... We don't know what he's going through. We don't know what his, if there's any family pressure for him to be back home or whatever. So uh, on that note, I can't really go there. But to slap on this point, I would say that when he first left, yeah, he has Defoe and he has Adebayor there in his way. But he, there was somewhere in that team that he was going to fit. Now you have Soldado, who's clearly going to be your main guy. And you have Paulinho coming in. I'm sure Tottenham's probably going to 
make a couple more signings before this thing's over. Well, I mean, I mean so, if you look at the squad right now, if he would have stayed, he would be playing right behind Soldado in that 4-3-1-1 situation or whatever they have right now, or 4-4-1-1. Instead of Gofi Sigurdsson, it would be Clint Dempsey. I don't know why he's complaining. Yeah, you're going to get benched a few games or you're going to come off the bench in the English Premier League, but that's what happens when you're in a top-flight team. There's guys, you're going to have to, you know, if you want to be in the Champions League, you have to understand that you have to give up playing time in order to be on a championship-caliber team. And to me, he doesn't understand that. He would rather get PT. But then that affects his, that affects his comments saying he wants to play for a Champions League team because it's like an internal conflict with him. He doesn't know what, what to choose. Right. What he needs to do is well, just come out. He, what he needs to do is just come out and say, "These are the reasons why," and stop having us guess what the what the reason is. He just needs to come out and say it because, you know, we all want to know, and it's not you know too hard to come out and just say, "Hey, these are the reasons," you know, and you know, back it up. So. All right. Anyone else want to comment on this? Because we probably need to move on. Just uh, one last thing on that, Sean, what you were mentioning about, you know, Landon sort of getting, you know, a little bit of criticism for never going to Europe. Back when, I think in 2002, leading into the World Cup, when Bruce Arena was the head coach, he made a statement saying, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit upset that Landon hasn't tried to make a move to go to Europe, but historically, he plays his best when he's happy. And in that case, it's at home making money and winning with the LA Galaxy. So, Well, doesn't everybody play their best when they're happy? Yes. But mm-hmm. so maybe Clint Dempsey made a move that he just think he would be a happier person, even if not necessarily a happier footballer. Uh, not gonna hate on that. He is from Texas, so. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, there was a case of a friendly that was played between the U.S. and Bosnia, which, to be fair. The Bosnia team that played in the second half when the U.S. made their comeback was not the same team that they played where they just couldn't, they could get the ball moving a little bit on offense, but they were just wiped apart uh, defensively. So I know we've kind of talked about this already, but just to kind of speed through maybe like a little highlight version. Obviously Josie having basically almost four goals by himself uh, he did score three. Anybody want to comment about the game really quick? I mean um, for the Bosnia standpoint it was 2-0 at halftime that was their A team missing a few pieces they were happy, they were content they knew they were ready. They're, they're ready for the Slovakia game home and away in September, no need to play your players, especially the defense, which they never sub in the World Cup qualifiers. The same four guys, take them out. No need to risk anything with them. Rest them. Midfield, Bosnia is just Bosnia. I mean, they got a couple of young guys that weren't there, and then the other young guys that came in typically don't play. The attack seems fine. Jacko scored two goals. It doesn't matter. He's still firing away and. They're ready for Slovakia. It, to me, the game really didn't mean anything. First half was, you know, for Bosnia's side, first half was, you know, seeing how 
how the team is still. It was fine. That's cool. Let's take everyone out, put the subs in, just take whatever result we can. Hey, Bills. Random little fact that I found here. In what is now the 12-game winning streak for the U.S. men's national team, this is the first comeback by of a multiple goal deficit. The only other coming back, comeback coming in the Gold Cup against Cuba. So yes, it comes with a grain of salt because you know we were effectively playing not a full strength Bosnia team in the second half. But um, you know I'm kind of I'm gonna pull a Dark Knight quote here and be the Joker and say you know Jurgen Klinsmann, you've changed things. So I think I continually say that you know <laughs> Jurgen continues to baffle me with his decision making, but I can't argue with results. And in every single game, basically with the exception of the Honduras game, the staple of it has been Jurgen Klinsmann halftime adjustments coming through in the clutch and players answering the call. Oh, and Josie Altidore for president. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josie, it was an important game for him because he scored a hat trick. And uh, going into a Sunderland team that made a lot of changes, he definitely submitted himself to DiCanio, hey, start me on Saturday. So, oh, uh, another, thing, you know. another thing I would like to point out on the U.S. side is that they did bring in two new uh, players to the national team for this uh, game against Bosnia also, in case you, know, you didn't know or something. Yeah, the Johansson guy from Iceland who yeah. the Iceland FA got mad and they wanted to file a strike for FIFA because they're saying that he's trying to be a mercenary and just play for the U.S. even though he's played for the uh, under-20s in Iceland before. And then you got John Anthony Brooks, another one of those uh, German-American guys uh, who Klinsman seems to find out of nowhere all the time. And he played pretty good. Uh, Jekko pushed him off on that one goal. No, that wasn't him. That shouldn't have Or whoever it was, somebody pushed him. Yeah, man, that's European soccer. You don't like it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we qualifiers. We, we're a physical team. All right. Uh, I'll let that one slide there. <laughs> um, one more thing I wanted to touch on is obviously we have NBC having all rights to the English Premier League this year, and for the next three years, for that matter. They introduced a very interesting concept to which you wonder why none of the other stations that had the EPL before, which obviously we can kind of say that Fox Soccer was trying to grow its brand, but NBC Sports is doing the same thing. They introduced something called, uh, I forgot, what, I'm getting confused with the, both of them, but one of them is basically an ESPN3 type thing without the on-demand portion the Sports Lab Extra, and you can watch all the games on the go or whatever. And then they have another one where they do this thing like how we saw it in the Olympics where you have these channels that are dedicated just for the 10 o'clock EPL games, and they're free. So if you don't like the 10 o'clock game that's coming on NBC Sports, you can come on to one of these ad hoc channels and watch whatever you want. Now, in the U.S., for all the other sports, we have this crap that where you have to pay $150 to, to be able to do that, or $200 something dollars for baseball or whatever. Shouldn't all the sports do this? 
or is this just something because they're trying to grow the EPL and it's justified for right now? Uh, well, just so everyone knows, when ESPN and Fox Soccer had the EPL, they shared the coverage and they were only given a certain amount of games. They were either given the... The ESPN was either given the really early game Saturday or they were given, like, the Monday, the weekday game in the United States. All Fox Soccer got one game on Saturday or two games on Saturday and one game on Sunday, you know, switch it around. This is the first time where one channel got the rights to every single game to be shown in the United States. So that's the difference right there. And I would like for, you know, MLS to use this idea of showing every single game. I mean, they have that thing on NBC Sports now where they show all, like, you know, like NFL Red Zone, but it's for MLS, and they show every game at the same time. They show all the highlights and goals and stuff. So that's, that's a step forward. But I'm, that's a pretty good idea that they've gotten out. And hopefully tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock if this game is horrendous and boring, I can just switch over to another game without any problems. Hey, Bells, want to comment? Gary, I would, you know, you're the American sports watcher. Yeah. You're used to this whole red zone. I mean, red zone is cool. It's great for fantasy football and all that stuff, and that's not the problem. I don't mind paying $10 for red zone. But shouldn't, you know, obviously these leagues are making a lot of money off whatever they're doing with this. But shouldn't our leagues in baseball and football and all that think about something like this to do something for the fans instead of necessarily let's make you all put everything behind a paywall? You know, you would think so. But if we look at most sports these days, and especially the NFL, it's about making the money. And... I agree. It would be so nice if they would, you know, do things for the fans, really trying to say, hey, thank you for all that you've given to us. You buy all this merchandise. You buy tickets. You basically support us. Here's some added bonus. You know, this this is the exclusive that you're getting from us for all your support. But it's just the sad truth that they consider it a business. And... I don't think a lot of sports can get past that. And I, I commend them for this project because they are, you know, I know understand they're trying to get support from Americans and, you know, hoping that they'll really get into it. And that's great. That's an excellent business model, if you ask me. But, I mean, you know, for me as, you know, an American with American sports, as in Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, you know, I understand that, hey, they've already got my money. They've already got my attention. They're not going to give me anything unless... I'm buying it. So that's just the kind of way I see it. But I, I, I do. I think this is a good thing, at least for people who, like me, who are still learning soccer, who aren't really, you know, knowledgeable. This will give me a perfect opportunity to be, become more knowledgeable. Sean, what I think it comes down to is it's, it's media and it's exposure. And I think that's what NBC is trying to do and really do it in a way that nobody's ever done before simply because mm-hmm. they have so much exposure. I think it was, I don't remember who it was, if I was reading this or I heard this on a podcast somewhere, but um, it, was, it was a correspondent from NBC who said now with confidence that someone in the United States has more access to the EPL on match day than someone in London. And that's, 
completely revolutionary to, you know, what we would think, you know, 10, 15 years ago when, you know, yep. Fox Soccer had one game a week or something like that, if that. Right. Yep. And, well, to be fair, Fox Soccer also did put some of the games behind a paywall of that Fox Soccer Plus crap. Yeah, but you had so, to pay for it as well. So. The what? You had to pay for it. Like, I, I remember when they first released it, I couldn't get Fox Soccer Plus. I had to pay an extra $10 for it. Was, exactly. You had to pay 15 bucks or whatever. That's the <laughs> point. Yep. NBC could have easily done that, and they just chose not to. Yeah. So. Exactly. And, you know, that That's, says a lot for them. It really yeah, does. It, like it's have, like, multiple channels they can use. Like for the Olympic coverage, when you watch them during the Olympics, they use CNBC, MSNBC, they yeah. use sports, they use the NBC channel, NBC Sports Network, and then they use like their Spanish channel as well. So when they get yeah, the EPL, when they have the all the all the games, the rights to every EPL game, of course they're going to be able to put it on. C Nobody's watching CNBC at nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Nobody cares. So put a soccer game on there and have multiple games that people can switch back and forth that interest you. And if you don't find any games that interest you, just go on their website and there's every single game for free. You can watch it. So it's right. a pretty good idea and pretty smart by them. It helps yeah. them boost up, especially they're trying to compete with ESPN and so is Fox Sports. But right now, NBC Sports Network is one-upping everyone with their coverage. Yeah, doesn't that Fox Sports 1 look really bare without English Premier League on the weekends? Yeah, mm. it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Regis Philbin will get them going, right? Oh, there you go. Or maybe their college football coverage, which could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, that too. I noticed how they don't have the... Uh, Fox fo football daily thing going right up against NFL Live because they know better. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anyway, let's get into this English Premier League preview. There's uh, nine months to go through, basically a whole school year uh, for many people that that once you get past the college level, you don't have to do that anymore. But for you high schoolers and down... You have to go through nine months of, of school, and you have a nine-month schedule of EPL. The addiction begins once again, and to be fair, uh, I forgot who Joaquin supports. Who do you support, Joaquin? Or in, in, in BPL? Yeah. Well, I really don't support any team in the BPL. I mean, I support other teams. Like My favorite team is Inter Milan, for sure. But uh, but I I've been I've been a big fan of uh, Swansea and West Ham. If if I had to pick teams, uh, West Ham just because of my cousin, and then Swansea I've just been a big fan of of their ideas and where they they're trying to go, and you know I see them I see Swansea as a uh, competing you know maybe for a Europa League or something, because of the all the all the moves they've done you know this off season. And you know, and they're just getting better. So. Uh, lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Son, I know you're a uh, Leeds and Liverpool supporter. Yes, until Leeds United Correct. comes back, I just root for Liverpool. My Steven Gerrard is one of my favorite players. So, I mean, I love the guy. I'm glad Pepe Reina's gone, so he doesn't act like Mark Sanchez of the NFL and allow gold to go through his legs and arms. At least that's, that's a good point for us. Um, I'm really excited to see this new brand of attacking that we're supposed to be bringing out this year. Brought in some pretty good players. Uh, the surprise, I mean, Iago Aspas, if they allow him to play, I think he can be a very good player, but we will see how the season works out for them. And Matt is a Manchester United supporter like me. And yes. I actually went to England and I had... I, so I was in there for a day. And I happened to go to like a hotel bar. And there was Man United supporters all around this TV. And I'm, I'd only watch international soccer at that point. And this was like 04, 05, I think. And they were all like... Like, you support a team in, in England, and I'm like, well, I'm from America. They're like, well, we have that over there in America, too. And they're like, you should support Manchester United uh, because they're the best team ever. We've won the most titles and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm not all about the Yankees and all that stuff. So I decided to watch the game with them, and I saw their passion so much or whatever. And I was like, you know what, this is like the team that, Omni first, so they always say your team finds you, so that's how I chose Man United. Um, I know Matt's like a, you're a relative like newcomer to the whole club thing too, right? I mean, At I, least for Europe. For Europe, yes, I'm new. I didn't start watching until I want to say two or three years ago. It was actually when um, two of my college band friends dragged me over on a Sunday morning for goals on Sunday, and it was two of my friends, it was three or four of my friends watching two of them being Arsenal supporters, two of them being Manchester United supporters, and they wanted me to get into it, so I said, okay, I'll just support whoever wins, and Manchester United promptly flogs the Gunners 8-2 to two in uh, at Old Trafford. So that's how I picked them up. Um, I do have a soft spot for uh, Newcastle United because my little brother is a member of the Toon Army, and for what it's worth, I kind of like the old stadiums in the in the EPL, and in my opinion, Fulham is kind of the the Fenway Park or the Wrigley Field of the EPL. So if I had to pick a London team specifically, I'd have to go with Fulham. All right. Well, speaking of Manchester United, they are the champions, defending champions. I I would add they have a new manager for the first time in 27 years, my entire lifetime. There's only been Sir Alex Ferguson. Now there's 
ex-Everton manager David Moyes. He has to deal with the Wayne Rooney situation, who apparently he feels lied to and all this kind of junk. I really don't want to dwell too much on this because it seems everybody starts getting talking about transfer crap and then half the preview ones up being transfer crap. So I'm going to tread this lightly. Does Wayne Rooney leave or not? No. Absolutely not. Nope. Alright, we're all in agreement then no. Gary, you think he's going to leave? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew who he was. All right. Well, <laughs> um, give you see the biggest the the thing is Gary that uh, they're like one of their biggest rivals. Chelsea wants you know has a new manager and he wants Wayne Rooney, and David Moyes doesn't want to sell to his biggest rival. It'd be like the Cowboys selling somebody to the Redskins. It's not going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. You're not going to do okay. that because you, why help your rival? Why give them a treat? Unless you're James Washington or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, um, a lot of people are saying Manchester United third or fourth, not champions again, not even second because of how supposedly great Manchester City and Chelsea are. Where does everybody have Manchester United falling here? Well, my top four you know, Champions League spots. Um, pretty much I've looked at it and it's going to come down to Chelsea, Man City, Man United probably to the last weekend. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Chelsea wins it because of the midfield. They have, to me, the strongest defense. So I'm going to go with Chelsea. Man City, number two. Manchester United, three. And number four, I'll just... I'll give it to Tottenham because Soldado, to me, is the golden boot winner this year. So I'll give it to them. The fourth spot. And then make Clint Demi feel like an idiot for leaving. Fucking. <laughs> no, I mean, I, to me, to me, I still have Manchester United at one, because because until until something changes, you know, they're still champions. So you gotta you gotta give them their props, regardless if they made almost no acquisitions whatsoever in the off season, regardless of whatever you may say, regardless if Man City you know gotten better. I still put them as one, Man City two, and then three would be Chelsea, and then four, I'll just put time in there. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, it's up for grabs after that. But uh, that's that's my list, and I'm going to stick to that. Matt? Um, it, my order kind of following Zlatan's idea, I have Chelsea winning the league just narrowly necking out Man City. I feel like Man City did a good job spending money this summer, but I don't necessarily see the organization. Um, Manchester City's philosophy has kind of been, let's just buy a bunch of big names and commemorate a bunch of stars and see what happens. And, you know, and two years ago it worked really well, and this past year, you know, it kind of didn't really work that well. I honestly think it was a mistake selling Tevez. I thought he was what made them tick. I do think they will have good attack, but I, don't, I think missing Tevez is going to be a problem, so I have Chelsea edging out Man City barely. I am under the assumption that 
Gareth Bale is not going to be sold to Real Madrid or wherever else he's thinking of going. So I actually have Tottenham at three, and then I have Man City at four, simply because or Manchester United, excuse me, at four. Um, I don't know, but I don't know. I just I don't know how Moyes is going to handle the pressure. And you know, he was at Everton, where you know he was essentially driving a you know a Honda CRV, and you know he comes over to Manchester United with all this money and all these big players. You know several egos to deal with in the locker room, and I don't know how he's going to handle, you know, his first test drive in a Ferrari. So in that sense, I think there could be points where the Red Devils struggle this year. I still have them getting a Champions League, but it'll be at fourth just behind Tottenham. Well, unless Gary wants to give an opinion. Uh, you know what? It's kind of hard for me to sit here and rank teams I'm not very familiar with. I'll just state that I am a United uh, Manchester United fan, so that, that I'm always wishing them luck. Well, uh, I'm sure people, for some reason, are listening to us in England. They're hating on us because there's that old school rule that apparently Manchester United has more fans outside of England than inside of England. So I guess we would continue that trend <laughs> with three of us on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll just give my opinion real quick. Well, you know, people are saying, you don't really don't know anything much about soccer, Gary. You're kind of soccer, you know, silly or stupid. But, you know, it's just the fact that they are the Yankees of the world. You know, they're the kind of the big team. You know, even Americans know who they are. Americans wear their jerseys because they're widely known. And I just I mean, picked them because uh, it's the fact that, you know, if anybody ever said, okay, you have to pick a soccer team, I was going to pick a winner. I was not going to pick a team, you know, just to pick a team. I'm going to pick a winner, but then not so much a winner as, as of late, I don't think. <laughs> um, um, if, I, if, I, if I may uh, say something, um, I did post something on Facebook of celebrities who do like uh, teams in England, and Stoke City had a lot of famous uh, people, who, celebrities who actually support support them which I was surprised I was also surprised that like Sylvester Stallone likes Everton that was another one Barack Obama <laughs> likes West Ham <laughs> really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that oh, or Dr. Dre likes Liverpool who knew that one but uh <laughs> and Le- LeBron obviously owns a part of Liverpool so yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go with a two out of the guys here. I I think it hurts being a Man United guy, but I got to tip Chelsea here because even though their strike force isn't what Mourinho's used to, I guess, but I think Lukaku is really going to be one of those players that's going to have a breakout season this year with Oscar and... Hazard and Mata and everybody around him, they're going to be able to give him so much service that there's no way he doesn't score here. Uh, not to mention that the guys can score as well in the midfield. So yeah. Then you have Torres who can kind of do things, and Demabaz not too bad. And So it, it, I think it's really going to depend a lot on the, the old guys. It has to do, is Terry going to be the Terry of old? Is he going to be... The, the Terry we've seen for a couple of years is is Lampard still going to be at, at full form, or is he going to be deteriorating at this point? That defense is going to be the thing that's going to determine whether they hold up or not, because we know Mourinho apparently doesn't like David Luiz, and and 
Uh, you know, he still got Ashley Cole over there and whatnot. So, eh, uh, the thing with Man City is, I got them third because you know you still got that thing with Pellegrini not knowing the league. Is he gonna be able to adapt as well to the league as we've seen some other managers come in and do? He seems more like a Champions League type manager, like a Benitez. He's not about winning the league. He's more there to do what. They really want Man City to do, honestly. Man City won the league already, even though it was barely. They want Man City to go somewhere in the Champions League, and that's what Pellegrini can bring them. Didn't he do that with uh, Malaga? So, mm. you know, they brought in some great players. I thought the Fernandinho, could be a, a, he, maybe they overpaid for him, but he's somebody they need back there defending uh, that Maybe letting Yaya Toure go forward, even though they kind of play the same position. Maybe they can get him to kind of learn to sit back and let Yaya go forward because they depended way too much on him last season. Uh, and you would think now with the signings of Jovetic and Negredo, they're going to be able to go forward more and not have the crap of Balotelli and Tevez and and all that stuff. So... Uh, Man United, they're the same team, pretty much. Moyes is going to have to give them all around and make sure that if Fergie's watching from wherever, that he's not upsetting him either, I guess. He's going to have pressure, but I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, it all depends on Robin Van Persie, really. If, if he keeps being healthy, I think they'll be okay. He scored two goals in the Community Shield, so he's on form already. And I gotta go with everybody else. Spurs with what they've added, Soldado, Paulinho, and Arsenal added one guy named Sonogo, and that's all they've done. Yeah, how could you be fourth <laughs> at that point? That's... And they just lost out on Luis Gustavo too. Uh, so yeah. it seems like everybody Arsenal tries to grab, they go somewhere else. It's like they know it's a sinking ship or something. <laughs> well. Uh, does does Arsenal really fall, or are they going to be like fifth or sixth or something? No, they're, they're going to be they're they're going to be like maybe sixth or fifth, something like that, because they still have the same team, and it's not like they did bad last season either. I mean, I mean, it, it's funny how how um, you know uh, you know how uh, Liverpool have fallen off, you know, the map, you know, well, you know, and. They've done a lot in the off season, so I, I still I still feel like they're gonna be you know behind Parham or something of that sort. So, well, just to just to bring up the Chelsea Man City changes, Chelsea to me, what Mourinho brings in, Lukaku is basically a junior version of Didier Drogba. Yep. And pretty much Mourinho is gonna use him just like he used Drogba. They added strength to the midfield, so they literally can substitute out all four of their midfielders and put in four midfielders that would start on basically any team in the Premier League right now. Their defense is the strongest out of the top four teams right now, in my in my opinion. And then Man City, I don't think losing Balotelli or Tevez is going to hurt them. I mean, Tevez got replaced by a guy, Negredo, who is much more physical than him and is stronger and is a better striker in my eyes. And then taking out Balotelli, I understand 
he's a great player when he wants to be, but he's also a liability. You have Jekyll up there, who is a scoring machine for Man City. If you look at his stats, he, I think he scores once every like 50 or 60 minutes in his career with them. So they really, and adding Yelovich, who can be like that central attacking mid for them, and a striker is is perfect for them. I think the team is much happier, and they're actually clicking. If you saw it in the preseason, they were they look like they had everything going on offense, defensive wise. That's the only issue I have with them. They looked a little shaky at times. And going to Arsenal, Arsenal can potentially be two or three if Theo Walcott and Santi Carzola go falls out. They go crazy, have the years they had last year, and then just add on to it. And if Podolski and Giroud, or Giroud can elevate their games, I think they can make it, but I don't see it happening. So that's probably why I don't have them in the top four. But they can make a run at it, too. Matt, you want to? I mean, uh, first off, uh, all of Zlatan's comments on Chelsea, on why Chelsea is going to finish ahead of Man City. I have to agree with everything that he said. Um, and then going back to your statement on Arsenal, I just I feel like the story is getting old. You know, obviously <laughs> they didn't have this. They didn't have it like last summer where they got rid of Robin Van Persie. You know, sold their most significant or maybe their one of their more important players. I mean, you know, they haven't added anybody. You know, rumor the rumors mill were that you know they were gonna for sure sign Iguain and then uh, take Suarez from Liverpool. Neither of those have happened. You know, their plan B and plan C transfer moves have all fallen through and now they've got, you know, how much time left in order to make something work. That being said, they still have Arson Winger who's still a footballing genius and he can get as much out of his team as any other major coach in all of Europe. So I have them still slotting in at five, but it's it's going to be a limp to the finish line, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Arsenal scored 72 goals last season. It's not like, you know, they don't know when to put them in. It's the problem is they don't put them in at the right time, and they tend to score like five goals against a team that doesn't matter. And then when you need them to score a goal, they can't. So... It's, that's the problem with Arsenal. They they have a lot of this creative stuff, but you know Walcott can score, Chamberlain can score when he wants to. They have guys. The problem is, can they get them all together at once to actually play cohesively and and score when it matters? Uh, I got Arsenal fifth too. The problem with Arsenal too is apparently Wenger doesn't pay attention to people when they go, hey. There's a transfer target. How about we get him locked up? No, here comes Benitez from Napoli. Oh, you let him make a bid for Wayne. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get Wayne then and take him. Well, there you go. Uh, Arsenal is owned by Americans, Gary. So apparently they care more about being status quo and saving money than they do about actually, you know, going somewhere besides being fourth every year. Okay. And they keep telling everybody that if they keep doing this within like two or three years later. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When, you know, Wenger keeps getting older... And everybody else that's watching them is getting older and getting tired of seeing the same thing. That they're supposed to have all this money that they're going to blow out everybody else, even Barca, Real Madrid, and be able to outbid everyone for all these te- all these players. But you know what? Right now, that doesn't matter. You need to actually get your team to go somewhere. Yeah. And they could have got Suarez, but you know they didn't want to pay for him either. Well, so Liverpool's yeah, probably gonna keep him too. I'll give it to Arsenal. And I'll give it to Arsenal. What? They did make a solid Champions League team. Say what you want about their league. For some reason, in the Champions League, when it's a different style of play, their team is perfect to make it into the round of 16 and the quarterfinals. They're almost like penciled in every year. So for them, at least they got that going. Well, it sounds That's like true. It sounds like Arsenal is like the Houston Rockets, where they're not wanting to spend money on anything, not even trips to the hotel. Uh, but thing is, is uh, well, they did spend money on Dwight Howard. No, that's the Rockets, Astros, Houston Astros oh, baseball okay. team. Excuse me for my, I think, and I don't know why not basketball. Anyway, so yeah, the Houston Astros are the team that don't spend money, so they always suck. Uh, but it sounds like Arsenal wants to spend money. Is that, is that what you're telling me? That they're basically saying, hey, we got a piggy bank. We're just waiting around. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. What, what a, mm, uh, that's not fun for fans. Well, it's because of, apparently they forgot that Falcao and Cavani set the bar so high that they're going to have to overpay for somebody, and they don't want to do that, so... Yeah, they, they're all... There's no striker. And they've seen, they've seen big clubs in England spend a lot of money and then go into debt, go bankrupt. Look at Portsmouth, for instance. They're in League 2 now, so... Teams can easily go under and have to sell all their players. So why ruin... I mean, I understand you want to get better, but... In their eyes, why ruin mm-hmm. your financial structure that you have right now? They're pretty good off with money-wise. They're not as bad as some other clubs. So they just don't feel the need to overpay for players. They feel like they know how much a player's worth when in actuality there's teams out there that will pay more and that costs them in the long run. Yeah, wow. But, but to be fair... Wenger does seem to make it work, at least to a certain point. So I guess you should give him credit for that. 
Well, let's move on from the Arsenal debacle, which, to be fair to Arsenal, there's still like two or three weeks left in this transfer window, which, I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, I feel like the transfer window should close as soon as the season starts. Agreed. How do y'all feel about that? Yep. Uh, I agree, too. Well, I like it. I like it like this. I mean, it gives it gives teams the option if somebody gets hurt right away to buy somebody. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. All right, so now it's time for you to talk about. Well, go ahead, somebody. Well, 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 well I think I think they they should close it now because by this time you already know kind of kind of your team and you already know the players you want. I mean, you know, so if an injury does occur, you have somebody else. You know, so that's well, in my opinion. Look at it this way. You have a team, and let's say you're, one of your midfielders goes down with an injury. You know you can put in a backup, but then that's taking away one of your bench players and putting him on the field when you know. And then now you have a guy coming off the reserve squad into the lineup who might not be even ready. So you're kind of losing out on a player. Especially with the big teams, they would. A lot of them want bench guys that can come come in the game, start, or come off the bench and just continue the flow. There's no like downfall in quality. That's what the reason of this transfer window staying open. And you can, and it's easy. Let's like look at Bayern Munich for instance. If the transfer window would have closed for them last week, they would be stuck with a few guys who weren't going to play at all. And that just causes, you know, rifts within the team. So why not sell a guy one or two weeks into the season to a team that says, oh, wait, maybe we can add him and improve our midfield? That, that's a good good way of teams improving a week or two into the season when they know they have a hole in their system. Right. The only reason I like it is because you have that drama with the deadline day signings and sometimes you get big ones and it's like, Oh my God, I didn't think that guy was going to go there. And yeah. he does last minute shock, you know? I mean, I mean, Arsenal is known to do last minute, you know, signings anyway. <laughs> but, That's true. That's true. <laughs> but a lot of the times they kind of like, it's like Giroud. You're like, really? Of all the people you could assign, who's this guy, Giroud? I mean, he does, he you does know, start. Granted, he was pretty good in the French League, and I think last year, second half of the season, he really stepped it up. First half of the season, he looked lost. He didn't. Yeah, adapt. he was missing. He was missing a lot of shots. Yeah, he, he didn't adapt to the Premier League quickly like Podolski did, and that's what they're betting on this year is that he continues his form and he's a premier striker for them. Yeah. Actually, I didn't think about it like the way Slaton said it. It makes a lot more sense when you think about it like that. Because it's kind of like the what a lot of these teams do in the preseason in football, where they wait until they cut these guys, and then they go, oh, I can sign this guy, and he'll cover for somebody got hurt or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so. it's like the NBA, free, or NBA uh, trade deadline. You have it in the middle of the season because by the time the middle of the season comes around, you know who's going to be there but to the end and who isn't so you can improve your team halfway through the season. Here, but isn't that what the January transfer window is? Yeah, and that's yeah. the January transfer, basically. 
you have that option of improving your team right away, or you can risk it, wait, and then in the January transfer window, go and get somebody. But typically in the January transfer window, you don't see many big-time players get moved. Yeah. Well, so it's time to talk about your Liverpool. Where are they going to wind up this season? Probably sixth or seventh again. There's nothing changed in the offseason the way they play. I mean, if you looked at their preseason games, they played relatively better, but I mean, I forgot who they played against. It's like slipping my mind lately, but I think it was Celtic. They came into the game pretty much owned Celtic in possession, had great chances, but couldn't capitalize and lost the game 1-0, like typical Liverpool the last three, four years. So until until they show me that they've changed and, and go out and score two or three goals against a team like, let's say, I don't know, Aston Villa or West Ham and not go and lose to them or lose at home 3-0 like they did last year, I think, to West Brom, until they prove that they can put away the bottom-tier teams and just compete with the mid-level teams and actually score goals against them and not play draws every time. Because they they compete and they actually beat Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham. They can beat those clubs. They For some reason, they show up for those games and then the next week they play Southampton and go and lose. Like, what are you doing? But hasn't that been the case for for many years, where where they beat the big teams but can't beat? You that, know. That's been the that's been the case for three or four years now, and until they prove otherwise, I'm not moving my stance on sixth or seventh. You got to pick a definitive number. I'll say I'll, I'll probably say seventh. All right. Seventh. Uh, does anybody think they're going to improve with Brendan Rodgers having another year of putting in his system in quotations? I would bet money on Brendan Rodgers getting, barring a miracle, him getting sacked at the end of this season. That being said, I think he'll get fired, and it won't be his fault for whatever happens to Liverpool this season. The problem, what, the problem with Liverpool was they spent money on players that were worthless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, the last few years they spent money on defenders when they had like 10 already on the squad. They go out and sign Henderson, Stuart Downing, Joe Allen, uh, is just wasting money on players. Charlie Adam. Yeah, they're they're wasting, they're waste, they're wasting money on players that only performed good for like half a year to a year, but they can't perform when they come to you know they they couldn't live up to the hype, and that's the problem that that has been Liverpool for the last three, four, five years. They're wasting money on them on players that aren't worthy of a Liverpool jersey. I'm not saying they're, like, terrible players, but if you're going to go out and get mediocre players, at least pay for them mediocre-wise. Don't go out and overpay for guys and then put yourself in a hole where you can't buy somebody on the market that's actually good. And I think this summer is the first time that they've actually spent their money wisely, and I think they've improved the team, but until they prove it to me, I really do not think I still think they have troubles with the middle pack teams and still get a lot of draws 
and hopefully that changes and they get a Champions League spot this year. But I'm 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 not going to say they will. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Matt, do you have a position for them? I actually have Liverpool finishing uh, eighth. Um, and Gary, if you don't know what that means in the in the EPL, the top four slots all get to Champions League, which is kind of this big super uh, international competition. And then the the next two slots in the EPL get to the Euro League, which is kind of like the the NIT, if you will, in uh, uh, in, uh, in March Madness. So this will okay. be the first yeah. year in a while. If yeah, my prediction's that's... right, this will be the first year in a while that Liverpool is involved with that. Well, I don't. I think again. I think Brendan Rodgers is going to get fired. I don't think they necessarily have a bad team this year, but I don't see them. I don't see them transferring Suarez anytime soon. Um, he still has a suspension to deal with at the beginning of the season, if I'm not mistaken, from being South American man bat last year. Well, I don't think he's going to continue that trend this year. I just think him being in a situation he doesn't want to be in, playing for a club that isn't playing in the competitions he wants to be a part of, is going to slowly tear the locker room apart, and eventually eventually, he's going to have to leave, or they're going to have to make some serious changes to keep him to stay. Otherwise, holding on to him is just going to be a disaster in the locker room, which is why I have them finishing eighth this year. Yeah, and according to everyone right now, he apologized to the team, and they've kind of settled their issues. But you never, you know how media. Let's is let's see what happens when they start yeah. off struggling, or they go through a bad run of form, well, and see is, see what happens what with him. I think is they're going to start off great without him because I like their team without Suarez. But once he comes back, you have to integrate him into the team that's not used to him. So I think that's where their downfall comes into play. But but this year, this year, for the first time in a long time, they're not competing in Europe, which I think benefits them a lot because they don't have to worry about European games. They don't have to shuffle players around and change their lineup. They can rest up the entire week and work on their game, which I think is probably going to benefit them more. But... Once again, until they prove otherwise, until they prove it that they can win on a constant basis and not beat Chelsea 2-0 and then come out and tie Southampton or lose to Aston Villa or somebody, I'm not giving them. I'm not giving them a spot seventh or above. I just can't do that. Yeah, I got them. I got them seven two just because of what you just said. I don't think you can really put a lot of faith in Liverpool I think the key thing is like you said it's the whole not having to go to Europe that could actually have them go anywhere to fifth because they're sitting there doing exactly what you did they're getting to rest in the midweek they're not having to deal with going all the way to Russia in the midweek which is far ass away yeah. I mean or or Ukraine or whatever you know that, that, that benefits them and I mean I think, I think this year, what I would concentrate on if I'm Liverpool is going out and winning the FA Cup or winning the, whatever it's called, Capital One Cup or whatever crap it's called now. The League Cup. The League Cup or what? I don't even know what it's called anymore. It changes. <laughs> so one of those cups would be really good. I think that's the saving point for Rodgers. 
unless if he finishes in fifth place and gets that Europa League spot. Because if he doesn't win a cup and he finishes in sixth or worse, the team will look at firing him, which I think is not the right move. You have to give him time. It's only his I second side. Strongly believe like coach coaches need three, four, five years to really implement what they're working. Yeah, on. but 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 you but you're talking about BPL here. I mean, they fired coaches like like nothing. I yeah, mean, Chelsea went through Chelsea teams, went through how many coaches? I mean, and that's why those teams still. What it depends on the owner. Yeah, and it, and and that's the problem with those teams that keep firing their coaches. Look at uh, who was it? Newcastle when they got relegated, they kept firing coaches and. Look what happened. They went down into relegation. Then before Alan Pardew came, they almost went down again because they fired their coach for some odd reason in the middle of the season. It, it's stupid news like that. It's just I don't understand why you fire a coach. You have to live with the bad and the good. I mean, QPR yeah, I, does I the same thing. Relegated. It doesn't matter if you change coaches. No, I, I think it's because when you're in a league that's so competitive, you want to win all the time. And when you're spending money on on players, you feel like you, you should be better than what you really are, and then and then you start doing things to 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 try to stay in the Premier League instead of getting relegated, and those kind of things, you know. Especially especially if you're on a bigger team, and you know you're not winning cups every time, you know, and you you may win one or none. I mean, it's just you know hard, you know, because because the fans yeah. want. What's the point of what's the point of uh, firing Brendan Rodgers midway through the season, when last time you did that to Kenny, your team did not improve at all. They just stayed the same. It's it's pointless to fire a coach in the middle of the season in Liverpool's uh, in their case. It's pointless. You're firing a guy who's who's trying to change and change the team into what he wants the team to be. So. If you're going to fire him, it can't just be on, oh, you're not living up to what we expected right away. You have to give him time. You can't just fire someone. They have to understand Liverpool isn't a top four team. That's what has to get into the owner's mind. They're not a top four team. And until that gets into their mind, they're going to keep doing stupid things. And that's why they well, fired, course, that's why they fired their coaches the last two times. They keep buying players that aren't worthy. And it caught, and it's not really the coach's fault at times. It's the owners. Okay, okay. To be fair, we are talking about the owners of the Boston Red Sox here, and, yeah. and they they probably look at the Red Sox and go, "Well, they're they're leading the AL East. Uh, Liverpool should be leading the English Premier League or whatever, you know." No, because you, so, you got you got to understand something. When 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 you talk about Liverpool, you think of them a lot of time. You think of them just like you do with Manchester United or Chelsea and those kind of things, you know. So so when you have when you have the name recognition and those kind of things, you feel like you should be up there, you know. And, well, and the fact that and the fact that, that they're not, if you still think of Liverpool as being up there with those teams, you haven't been watching soccer for the past five seasons. No, so, I, 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 no, no I'm, not, I, I'm not saying they're up there. I'm saying he's saying perception. historically. Perception. Yeah, historically, they've been up there. Historically, so what? It's just the same thing with the Cowboys. Historically, they were good, but that doesn't mean they're good right now. You have to... 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Also, the oh, Dallas Cowboys. don't start. No, don't start. Oh, jeez. You can't live off history. You have to look at the present day and the recent, like, you season. Liverpool isn't a top-tier team. And until the owners understand that, and until they figure out a way to put them back up there, you can't be firing your coach halfway through the season because you're not in first, but you're in seventh. It's, re- it's the stupidest thing in the world. Slatan speaks the truth. Let him, let him play out his three-year plan, whatever plan he has. Let it play out and see where it gets you. Because but, you, but how 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 much but how much longer can you can you do it? It's almost it's like second season. You know, it's second season. If you can't wait three seasons, when you're still make when you're still a, you're still going to be in the EPO. You're still making the same amount of money, no matter if you finish seventh or first. You're getting the same amount of revenue. So you know what? Wait three seasons and see where he goes. If he doesn't go where you wanted to be, then fire him. And give if him, you're really give him a fair opportunity. And if you're really upset about not being able to, you know, players from other leagues and other teams seeing Liverpool as a sinking ship, if you build it, they will come. If they see something building in there, they'll join it. So then, you know, at that point, if he's able to build something, they do okay this year, and then they start looking good next year, they can get rid of Suarez and find a legitimate replacement who's maybe not a head case and maybe pick up a more legitimate defender and another midfielder to help to push them into the Champions League or into being a contender. Exactly. I mean, look what he did with Swansea. He built up the team because they gave him Exactly. And players now want to come there. They find Wilfred Bonney, who, in my eyes, is not a Swansea-type player. He should be in a top-tier club because he's a pretty good striker. But they got him. So you have to let him build his team to how he wants it. And if he does, it will lead to success. He's proven it at Swansea. He's going to... Give him time. Don't fire him midway through his second season. Pointless. Then you're just restarting your team, and then you're backtracking two years again because the next coach is going to come in and say, well, I have a new two- or three-year plan. Now you're restarting the whole process, and you're going back. You're going to be in the same position you left off with with Brendan Rodgers. So why fire him? That's stupid. I would say that we should look at United's case in that – Look at Ferguson. He was on the border of getting fired, and then he wins the FA Cup. And then after that, the rest is history, you know. And they gave him time. Well, but then you have the Chelsea case where the players supersede the coach, and they win. It doesn't matter who the hell is coaching them. 
Well, yeah, that's, so, that's, that's the same thing with the Miami Heat. The, I could be coaching them and we'll win the championship. I guarantee you that. Yeah, because Spolster is not. So, you know. there you go. I mean, Don't be bashing Bruno Mars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like, in my eyes, I think every coach deserves at least two, three years to implement his ideas because if you don't give him the time, then you might as well just label him an interim manager because you're going to fire him in like a year or two because you know he's not going to be good for you. So, To me, unless you're in a relegation fight like Sunderland last year where DeCano obviously came in and he lifted the players and he got them through the relegation fight and they survived, or you're a Chelsea and you know your players are better than what the coach is doing, and, and he's kind of actually being a detriment to those players. But a Liverpool's case, like Slotton said like about five times here, he's trying to implement something. He's trying to get the players to believe in what he's saying and saying, look, I have a track record. I have Swansea. Now Michael Lodger took my players. He brought in his own players, a tad, and then took that to the next level, you know. Yeah, I mean, so, but like I, it works somewhere, let me do it here. Yeah, without Brendan Rodgers, though, uh, Swansea doesn't get the players they're getting now these last two years. Without him, they're not getting these players. They're not in the Europa League this year. They're not playing the way they are, and that's... You have to understand that if you're Liverpool. You, you've got to give him time. You can't fire him for no reason. And one that also comes on the fans too. They have to be patient. I mean, when they fired uh, Kenny Daglish, that was stupid because he was implementing. I mean, yes, he had some really horrible signings, which I really didn't understand why. But his team was coming along, and then Liverpool just ran out of patience and said, "No, you're just fired." And that's kind of stupid, but they just got to give time. They have to understand that. Winning and making a team into what they are takes time, and you have to wait. Or have, right. or have somebody from the United Arab Emirates buy your team and just buy everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, your... that happened to Cardiff. That's why they're here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's. We've talked about Swansea a couple times. To me, I have them sixth ahead of Liverpool. Because of that Bonnie signing and a few of the other signings they've made, I think that definitely gives them depth. That it obviously gives them somebody that can play either with Michu or when Michu needs a rest or whatever. And they're going to try to make a Europa League push because we know Ladrup has these ambitions that he tries to take them to the next level constantly. Will they have the squad that have to do it? Who knows? That things will have to play themselves out, but I really like this team. I, I think, you know, United's going to have a problem with them uh, later today when they play each other. So, and we'll get to see Swansea at least before they start playing all those Europa League games and, and run into what well, Newcastle had a problem with last year. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's the only reason I have them like eighth, ninth areas because they got the Europe, Europa League play they have, but you actually watched them against the Swedish team. I think it was Gefler or somebody. I forgot their name. Oh, no, it was Malmo, I think. I, I forgot who it was. It was some Swedish team. But if you watch them play in those two games, especially the game at home, 
if you didn't watch that and you're in the EPL team and if you watched that and weren't scared of their attack, there's something wrong with you because their attack might be one of the best in the EPL in my eyes. And Michu and Bonnie both up front. I mean, even if Nathan Dyer comes off the bench, that's just that's a potent attack they have. And I just think with the extra workload, though, they dropped down in the league this year. But they'll they'll be they'll be around for a long time, I think, in the league. Hopefully, they don't go out like Leeds United. Yeah, hope not. Because, I mean, they, they were in the Champions League one year and then they're being relegated the next. <laughs> Swansea has a well, lot well, of Well, wasn't that players. part of the scandal thing? Yeah, that was, yeah. Let's just forget about all this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, Joaquin or Matt, what do you think about Swansea? I really like them this year, to be honest. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. they finished ninth last season. They added nine new players to their squad and they were already top ten before. I think the players that they got rid of were really more of trimming the fat and the dead weight out of it. So I don't think they've lost anything in depth, and I think they've certainly improved their quality. Um, you know, Michu had 22 goals last year. Bonnie had 31 goals in 30 games in the Dutch League. I think, you know, as previously stated, I think these two are going to be a wrecking ball crew going through in there. And I think with their depth, even though they have European League, I have them finishing sixth. And I think this is really going to be a banner year, and this is going to be something to build on. And Lauderup knows what he's doing, and he's got the team to do it. Fucking. Um, well, I mean, I, I, as far as I know, they, they've been trying to get a lot of Spanish players because they, they feel that the Spanish players play to a, a better, a better uh, way of playing soccer. And because they added, they added a couple more Spanish players to already a team that has, you know, Spanish players already, you know, in the team, and um, you know, they, they, like, a, like everybody said, they have a good attack, and you know, everything's, you know, going, and you know, they're gonna slip here and there, you know, because of the workload and stuff. But they have a, a, a good team that can, you know, uh, you know, get there and and be a, a, a dark horse. So. Well, what what do you think they're gonna wind up? I know Slotin already said like ninth, but I have them in nah. sixth actually. No, nah, I say I say sixth. That's about right. I say sixth. Alrighty, alrighty. The, the before we get into the other teams, do we? How far do you think they can get into the Europa League? They uh, can get past the group stage. Group stage is easy. Because most of these big time, because there's so many groups in the group stage, that I think they can easily go past that and get into the round of 32. And depending on who they get in that, uh, that round of 32 depends on how far they go. But I'll, I'll give them quarter quarterfinals is the highest that I think they can go on Europa League this year. I mean, who they? I think they play somebody in the next week or so. Yeah, they play this team from Romania. So they'll get into the Europa League, barring any crazy miracle victory by these guys. We're having to go into Europa, having to go to Romania and then win a week kind of sucks, considering that's, you have a game a, next week. Yeah. Same same thing with Tottenham going to Georgia to play. Like, you know, to Bilsey. 
That'll be a fun matchup for them. Anybody else want to comment on how far they're going to go? I think they can definitely get out of the group stage. I guess I just, I'm always leery about making these cup predictions having not seen the actual draw after the group stage if it's there. So if I had to guess, if I had to make a guess now without looking at the bracket, I'd probably say round of 16. Oh, we'll get to do one once the draw is made and all that stuff. Yeah. I just thought it'd be fun to just go ahead and do it now. You know? Watch this all be completely wrong. Like, <laughs> all depends on who they get. I mean, who do you, who do you think is going to go farther? Swansea or Wigan? <laughs> oh. <laughs> if Wigan even makes it to the group stage, that's a miracle. It's the group stage automatically with the FA Oh, that's right. Never mind. Yeah, I forgot. Well, I mean, technically, they're the only English team right now in the Europa League that's guaranteed a group stage. <laughs> yeah and Roberto Martinez like poached like two of their good players that they had left so yeah that that might be a little bit of a embarrassment in Europa League for them but hey yeah they get paid for it they'll get some money yeah exactly isn't that all what it's about anyway yeah pretty much pretty much yeah Oh, uh, you know what? Quarterfinals sounds about right. I, they don't have the squad depth to go that far. I mean, they could surprise for all we know, but it it really depends on the teams you play. Yeah, it really does. And since you don't know, Gary, this is actually more like March Madness in the sheer number of teams because this has 64 teams in it. Jeez. <laughs> the other one that is more prestigious has 32, so it's kind of more like the World Cup of clubs, but just European. Well, yeah, and, and okay. the Europa, Europa League is you have 32. Wait, yeah, you have 32 teams in the group stage, and then you get the third place teams from the Champions League to come over into the round of 32. So you have like teams like Chelsea last year competing in the Champions League, and then they go to the Europa League and win it. So. You could possibly get somebody that shouldn't be in the Europa League in that round of 32 and lose. So you never know. Yeah, true. Well, it's going to be based off who they play, with how far they go. Well, I talked about Roberto Martinez for a, like second. He takes over at Everton. He has a career history of barely making it. And then Wigan finally went down last year, and he finally got lucky and got to go to a better team because Moyes finally left Everton. So he pretty much keeps a lot of who Everton has. He's lucky Moyes hasn't come in for Fellaini, which could still happen, and he could still lose Baines. Uh, is Everton going to drop from where they were last year just because Martinez isn't as knowledgeable about the players as Moyes was. He's going to try to get them to play a different system. Or will they stay around because of how good the players are? Or... See, this is, this is the team that I have in sixth place and competing for Europa League spot. Cause I think he implements a new style that benefits them more because according to the lineup that he that he's supposedly going with tomorrow. He has, uh, is it 
Jelovich up front with Morales and Steven Pinar on the wing, which wasn't the case when Moyes was there. I think this adds to their offensive skills, and if they don't lose Fellani or Leighton Baines to Manchester United, their defense and midfield is still pretty good in his top half of the league. So, plus they got one of the best goalkeepers. So, to me, that's yeah, a, American. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good team, and they've proven over the years that they can compete with the big guys. That just, I think Mart- Martinez is just gonna implement this style of play that's different and it will benefit the team in my opinion either one of y'all too want to comment I think Martinez is going to have I think he'll have his hands full this year but I think it'll be a good problem he also brought over the probably the three three of the better players from his Wigan side to join the Toffee men and Alcaraz, Robles and Cone which I thought were all good pickups and then, like Zlatan, I'm going to assume that Fellaini and Baines aren't going anywhere. And if they don't, I have them finishing um, seventh. And I think that's a good prediction, uh, prediction uh, if I could talk. Um, but I think, he's, I, think, um, Mar- I think Martinez is definitely building for the future. And I could definitely see them challenging for a spot in the Euro next year. But I have them finishing seventh this year. Unless, of course, Donovan comes back. <laughs> Joaquin. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm in agreement with, with Matthew. You know, uh, he's he's in he's in a better team. He's in a, a better spot to do more. But uh, you know, I think I think in the in the future, you know, he'll he'll bring up Everton more and more. The more he he gets a chance to put his his uh, implements on the team and so forth. But uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, he's a he's a great pickup for them. Um, he done he done a lot of wigging, and so um, yeah, it's just you know that that's how I feel. I really like Martinez. I hope he actually does get to elevate Everton because he really got those Wigan players to buy into what he was selling. He got them to survive. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times they won an FA Cup last year for God's sakes. I mean, who would have thought of that? Especially beating Manchester City. So, if anything, he has a great core of players. If he can keep Baines and Fellaini, that team automatically is about two strikes above wherever Moyes had him because Martinez is going to have them play more of a free-flowing kind of thing. It's not that Moyes didn't. It's that he has a more positive attack in mind. Moyes sometimes kind of was into the gritty 1-0 win stuff. Not that that's bad, just sometimes he kind of over-relied on that a bit. So, and, and hopefully Jelovic just gets more time to become even a better player than he was in the, these seasons that he's been there. So, I have a feeling he'll kind of be able to use some of the players that Moyes didn't and be able to get the best out of them. Maybe something that Moyes didn't think about using. And having Pinar maybe in a different spot than Moyes did, as Zlatan alluded to. So I still have him eighth because I think somewhere down the line, Martinez's inexperience with being in control of that kind of depth of players is going to be a little bit of his downfall. So... 
plus you never know where Swansea, Liverpool, Newcastle, all the ones that are going to be around them are going to do this season. So, you know, they might start out well and then kind of falter as the season goes on. But it's not a terrible spot for them. It's better than Martinez has had any squad in a long while. So he finally has they, they can't hate to on play that. with. Play with. Exactly, yeah. That's... Yeah. Uh, He's got strikers to rotate around. I mean, he has, he has Anichebi, Jelovic, um, Pergata, Kone. I mean, he's got guys to rotate around. He, he's not stuck with just one guy. So. Yeah, I mean, Kone saved their butt last season. Yeah, I mean, he's the reason why at least they got the FA Cup. Let's talk about a uh, a friend of ours, Alejandro's favorite squad, West Ham, uh, led by uh, Big Sam, who you know he's fine with mediocrity as long as they stay in the Premier League. Uh, having Andy Carroll and, and pretty much uh, whoever they can get off Liverpool in the past two years, I guess. <laughs> See if they get Stuart Downing too while they're at it. Uh, where where are they going to wind up this season? Probably in the middle of the table, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. That's the, Around there? Yeah. yeah. Matt? Kevin. I have them at 13th, actually. Yeah, I think I had them like around 12th or something. It's just, they don't have the, I mean... They just don't have the firepower, honestly, to be able to stick around where they were last year. I think Carroll's not as great as he thinks he is. Nope, you're the best if you want my opinion. And Jarvis can't cross the ball as well as uh, Big Sam wanted him to, obviously. Well, I mean, my big issue with their summer transfer window is they were sixth worst in goals in the EPL last year. And I don't know that they've made any significant signings as far as improving that goes. And then furthermore, as far as, you know, trying to finish mid-table, I don't think they'll be in a relegation battle or anything. But their last eight games of the season involve United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, and Manchester City. So that's... You know, so if they're looking to, you know, finish mid-table or if they have a particular goal, you know, those last eight games are going to, that's going to be a rough end of the season for them. Youch. I don't know if I'd want that my run into end the season, honestly. John, while we're on West Ham, do we want to talk about the Upton Park Olympic Stadium controversy? I mean, I just... I don't want them to leave Upton Park. I feel like it's their grounds. I don't feel like they should leave it that. And I feel like if no team in MLS is, with the except, I don't think so anymore. If no team in MLS is playing in a giant stadium they don't need with a track around the football pitch, then I don't think a team in the EP in the middle of the EPL should be playing in a giant stadium they don't need with a track around the pitch. It looks terrible. I, Unless I, you're like Rome I, or something. Yeah. Why? Uh, the only reason is to get more money from ticket sales. Are they going to sell out the 90,000 seats or whatever that thing holds? According to their estimates, they would. 
Well, if West Ham has some pretty, pretty hardcore followers. Is, okay, is that for the next five years, or is that the whole of their supposed 99-year lease with this thing? I, I never know. Jesus. You, they can always break that lease. You know, teams will be there. It'll be interesting. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm old school. I like tradition. I don't think they should leave up anymore. I'm them staying in their stadiums. I like the atmosphere of the stadiums, especially the smaller ones. Closer to the pitch. What about Liverpool? They've been trying to well, move forever. Yeah, well, Liverpool just wants a brand new stadium. Doesn't mean it's going to have like a track and Olympic style, but I mean, I can understand. Well, if you look at the virtual thing that they put out, that thing's supposed to be like the state of the art stadium for England. Well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, as long as it, the fans are still close to the pitch. I'm all for it. As long as it gives you... As long as Tom Hicks doesn't try to own that team again, we're, uh, we're all good, right? As long as it doesn't have like, a retractable roof and a gigantic scoreboard above it, we'll be fine. <laughs> hey! Ooh. Come on, now. Stop hating on Cowboys Stadium over <laughs> I know. How can you hate on that place? Well, I wasn't hating. I'm just saying I don't want American influence and... European soccer. Uh, agreed, it's, it's yeah, I agree. It's one of the best. Yeah. What are we going to do with a big old TV right in the middle of the thing? Yeah. Soccer's just so old school. You have your little scoreboard with the countdown time and you show the score and that's it, you know? Well, oh, the scoreboard's not too low. It'll never get hit by anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they play in that big Seattle stadium all the time, and that's supposed to be really popular, so I don't, you know. Just... There's not a giant scoreboard 10 <laughs> feet above the, above yeah. the field. <laughs> by, by, by the way, by the way, I, I get distracted because the whole time I'm looking at the, the freaking screen instead of looking down below, it's just like right there. It only makes you like, want to not, like, you know, go go to the stadium, just watch, you know, the TV at home, you know what I'm saying? Tell me about it. Yeah, but... I had seats at the 50-yard line, and the TV was staring me right in the face. And it was very hard for me to look down and watch the team because it's high-def screen right in front of my face. Why am I not going to watch that? Exactly. Yeah, no, and it's, it's covering like half, half the field anyway. It's like, shit. Yeah, exactly. 20 to 20. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's more than half the field, actually. Go back to the original point. Just stay in your stadium. No need to move to a bigger one. Unless if you're going to build one. Yeah. I'd like to someday want to go to England and go to Old Trafford and be like, man, this thing's been here for like 100 years and they still play in it. Not, oh, well, it's just this relic that they use if uh, England ever gets the World Cup or something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they upgrade the stadium, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I just like the history. You know, I would love to go. You know, I'm not a big soccer fan, not yet at least, and I think I would be very, very interested in going to something as historical as that. Yeah, I mean, it would be great just to do like a stadium tour of all the mm -hmm. different historical stadiums around the world. Yeah, they do have they do have like soccer tours in London where you pay for a trip and you go to like two or three Premier League games in various stadiums. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, those XL soccer tour yeah. things or whatever. <laughs> See how much I played attention to Fox Soccer there. I never the commercials. <laughs> <laughs>
Alright, let's let's get back to this preview anyway. So Newcastle last year dropped after they had to go on a Europa League run and their squad depth showed. Uh, they kept bringing people from France, which didn't work that well. Uh, they brought in Loic Remy from France again. He wasn't that terrible for QPR. He was like their shining light, I guess you could say. So is Newcastle going to improve this year, or they're still going to be mid-table, or no, what is I, everything? You know, you know what? I I have them maybe getting relegated because they 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 haven't really improved that much. They really haven't done anything, and you know they just they just keep on falling. I I see them maybe getting relegated. You know, uh, I I have them in the mid-table. I mean, last year they were god awful because they've literally lost their entire midfield and part of their defense to injuries and their goalkeeper to injuries. And then to top it all off, you have your strikers getting hurt. I mean, they just were destroyed by injuries. So they, then they lost Ba. Yeah, I mean, if they stay healthy, they have a legitimate squad to compete. It's just the pressure is mounting on Allen Party right now. If there's a coach that's going to get fired in the middle of the season, that's my first pick right there. Because if they don't get off to a decent start and they're in the bottom half or the bottom five teams after like a month or two, he's going to feel the pressure. The team's going to feel the pressure. And honestly, I don't think Luke Remy is going to be an answer for them. I think they should have tried to upgrade that defense. But hopefully having a healthy midfield, even with all the French guys they got, they can, they can be good. So I'm going to say like 10th, 11th, 12th, somewhere around there. They'll compete, unless if they just get destroyed by injuries, then you might see them in the relegation zone. Matt? I would have to agree completely with Zatan on this one. I think last year was an aberration um, at for at St. James's Park. Um I don't think losing Ba was the end of the world for them simply because they lost him last year in January, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And they were fine the rest of the season. Their core is still there. Their core is going to get healthy. And they brought in Joe Kinnear as their new football manager. That's kind of like the GM Gary in football. And as a manager in the EPL, he was never fired, and he was a three-time winner of manager of the year. I don't think Alan Pardew is the guy to lead Newcastle back to prominence in the future, but if there's any guy who can pick out a brand new manager and then make the transfers that need to be made and turn this this franchise around, it's going to be Joe freaking Kinnear. So I know he's gotten a lot of crap in the media from the fans around, and they don't necessarily like him just because he's not necessarily a good person, but I think he's the right man for the job, and I think Newcastle finishes top half of the table this year. Uh, where, where? I have them at 10th. I said that at the beginning. I don't uh, know if it's too loud. Yeah, that's what I have them at, 10th. Uh, when, aren't people going around saying Joe Kinnear's going crazy? I mean, he is crazy. That, He's also really, really good. <laughs> and I guess he's one of those, you know, mad scientist guys. Exactly. That he just knows how to get it going. I'd agree with you guys. I think it's like an aberration thing. You're not going to have that many injuries twice, are you? I mean, they have a good team. Hopefully. They just got Sizoko from yeah. uh, Valencia. Exactly. They got so, I mean, you know, they did get to help that defense along. Yeah. So, I mean, they got Kabai. They got a few other 
they got Cisse still. I mean, that team is pretty good. They should be ninth or tenth, honestly, without any problem, as long as they don't have their entire team just get gutted like last year. So, and they don't have the Europe problem either, like they did last year. Yeah. So, just like Liverpool, they should be kind of okay. Then, and um, my team to watch out for, I'll probably say like Aston Villa. That's another team last year that was down at the bottom and then at the end of the season, you know, got out. But this goes back to the same thing with Liverpool. You have to give your coach time, and Aston Villa is doing the opposite of Liverpool and giving their coach time. And it's showing, especially this preseason, it's showing that Aston Villa is improving. Now, that's the team that I'd, I'd say would be in the top half. In my eyes, they might yeah. get 10th, 9th in that area. So. Aston Villa did a great thing keeping Benteke. Yeah. Yes. Because he was their star last year. He kept them up by himself with Wyman, and now they have both of them going forward, and everybody's kind of drinking the Kool-Aid of uh, Ricky Lambert. So when you got the team belief in there, you got an American owner who's willing to do what he's got to got to do to get the team going. You got Brad Guzan and goal, you know. So, I think Austin Villa could have finished like 11th or 12th. Well, what, so, about, what about West Brom? Oh, I have them relegated. Wow. They um, could, yeah. I, I, they don't have, they don't have a team. Like, if you look at their squad, other than Nicholas Anelka, who is a grandpa right now, Lesulk. They, they don't have a player that I would put on my team and say you can start for me right now. So, so, I, so you're so you're saying Long, um, Morrison? Nope. Uh, I mean, because because they they finished like what, what was it ninth or eighth or something like that? Their highest in like a long time. Stoke City finished like sixth one year, and now they're back to the bottom. So, anything can happen. But to me, that team yeah. is just not good. I don't know. Plus, they had a Diego Lugano who can't defend a broom. Exactly. I mean, they, they, they haven't added anybody that's worth... And Lukaku's back at Stanford Bridge. That's the reason. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason I think they were even winning games last year. It was because of him. Mm-hmm. And then you're telling me you're going to replace him with Nicholas Anelka, who's been playing in China? No. No. They, they, they're, to me, that's the team that is going to falter and just get relegated somehow. It's between, to me, it's between West Brom, Sunderland, and Fulham. That Fulham, unless if they, like, make some amazing changes, they're going to get, those three teams, one of those three teams is going to get relegated. They're going to be in that 18th spot. Uh, fair. Fair enough there. Yeah, I'd agree. West Brom's just, they have pretty much no one. And, I mean, they have good talent. Clark's still not a terrible manager or anything. And Ben Foster, if he can keep a bunch of clean sheets, they'll be okay. It's just... They don't have a budget. They'll be... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they can't buy anybody. That hurts you. The only Especially only- in a league where everybody's looking to buy somebody. Exactly. The only way they were they were keeping up is getting loans, and once those loans run out and teams see how good their players are, unless if they can loan, get some other loans this year before the transfer window ends and get some really good players on loan, I don't see them staying up at all. 
Speaking of a team that does seem to have a budget all of a sudden, Norwich brought in a couple of good players. They let Grant Holt go finally. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't think they did too bad. They, they didn't look pretty good in this transfer window, getting Gary Hooper and Von Wolfswinkel. So mm. I think they'll do much better than they did last year. If anything, if they stay around 11th or, or 12th, they, they couldn't be I think angry at themselves. That, that's the team that I, I, if I had to pick, like, you know, a Wigan or a Swansea winning one of the Cups and out of the Premier League that you wouldn't think, I'm picking Norwich to win one of those Cups because it always happens. One of these smaller budget teams out of the Premier League always makes it to the final somehow or the semifinals. And I think Norwich this year, they've bought the system of their coach who's once again been given time and not fired for no reason. He's implementing his system and it's actually finally working out. So I give them a, like the League Cup. I'll give them that. And I think one definite sign that their image on the international scale has changed is the fact that they were able to get Wolf Winkle and also Leroy Fur, who's a central midfielder for them. So I think, you know, they're no longer, you know, the two or three years ago of the potentially fighting for relegation. I think now they've established themselves, you know, as a, as a legitimate mid-table team that's going to be rather consistent and they can build from that. So I like, the, I like their chances to finish you know, mid-table this year, certainly. Yeah, they're like they're like the Stoke City that was a few years back when they when they survived those first two seasons, and then the next year they got into the Europa League. I could definitely see that happening. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's a good analogy. Yeah, that's the thing. And then the next team up after Norwich that could possibly do that is Southampton with all their signings. I think that's a very good team with the budget they have. That's a pretty decent team that's not you know oh we got money let's just go spend it you know they actually spend it wisely so i like that team as well yeah their coach really i mean he didn't have them playing much different than the previous coach that got fired but signing wanayama and loverin from leon i think that just strengthens them they didn't they got better as the season went on last year, so having a full season under this... I'm sorry, the name of the coach escapes me. Pochettino. And, yeah. yeah, that's why. That's Try to say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> either way, they should be fine, and what, like a 13th or 14th for them? Would yeah. it be... They, yeah. they could, I mean, they could possibly crack the top 10 if they go, you know, just their offense turns into what it could possibly be. Because at times last year they showed that their offensive skill was pretty good. Their defense was lacking, but they've improved their defense as well this year. So, mm -hmm. so let's talk about Stoke, who oh, has a God. few of our American players. And add another one who he has a contract with MLS and they won't figure out whether he can go now or January 1st, whatever. Do they need to let Agudelo go now or does he need to honor his contract with 
I forgot who it is in MLS. Uh, he's with New. I know it was Chivas at one point. Yeah. New England. I think they should let him yeah. go. To be honest, I feel like he's he's almost a lame dunk player, and you know he's injured right now. So if they do put him in, is he gonna, you know, only play at seventy five percent to not get injured? So I don't think they have any point in playing him. Take the money from Stoke and run with it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just, yeah, just, that, that works. Yeah. Where do y'all think Stoke winds up? Um, according to a lot of experts, people have them in the relegation zone. I mean, I could see that, but they they have one of to me one of the better goalkeepers in the league who probably helped them stay out of relegation last year. And they have a they all they need is a striker in my eyes. Peter Crouch is not that guy, but. If they can get a striker within the next few weeks, maybe out of the transfer window, I think they go up to like 14, 13, you know, in that area. I Honestly, I have to go with the experts on this one. I think Stoke are in a relegation position. They scored fewer goals than anybody else in the Premiership last year with the exception of QPR. Um, Hughes is very, very much like Tony Poulos. Um, I do think that I don't think it's a bad idea that he decided to go defense first in the transfer they made this this summer. But the, again, they haven't added anybody in scoring goals. And if, you know, the big thing for these teams fighting relegation is you know, if you can pick up a guy who can get fifteen or twenty goals, you know, that's five games that were losses that turn into draws, and maybe another five games that were draws that turn into wins. So I just I don't see that happening. That being said. Not that I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I want Stoke to get relegated. I don't, but I really, really hope for the national team perspective, for, for the sake of this kid, that the manager change helps Breck Shea. That this is a reshuffle of the deck because I felt like he came in in preseason form in the January transfer window and he didn't really fit in. And I just want him to get into the starting 11 for the sake of the kid. And I really hope they don't get relegated because then I think Jeff Cameron and Breck Shea could both be looking elsewhere for employment. Uh, that's the last question I was going to ask. What, is this the year for Breck Shea? I hope is so. Is he going to do something? I hope I so hope because so. He's a, he deserves it. He deserves it. And it would, it would help out Stoke, you know, big time. So. Yeah, according to some people, he's a he's like a younger version of Gareth Bale. They don't want to say he's Gareth Bale, but they compare him to him. And I'm trying to figure out where they got that from. But I mean, as long as he can stay healthy, he can give them that offensive firepower they need. And I would honestly start Kenwe Jones over Peter Krause, but that's just me. You know, I'm just throwing I would too. Love right there. Uh, okay, did, so Pierre did have that that nice bicycle kick though. Oh, yeah, yeah, and he's, he's also six foot five or six and can control the ball for two steps before losing it. He's he's worthless with the ball at his feet. So. He's a good target guy to bring yeah. the ball down, and then you can give it to Walters or. Kenwin Jones or whatever, but not if he has to be creating his own shot or and whatnot. According to the lineup they have set, he's by himself up front, which is not going to be good for them, but hey. If he's just standing there kicking the ball? 
not a bad idea. If he has to go in the midfield because they can't get in the ball, then, you know. Whatever. We'll have to see how Stoke goes. But they needed wingers to kind of give him the ball because he can't do anything by himself. Wasn't that what Breck Shea's job is? Yeah. That's my point. My point is they need to put him in because if they don't, then then what's the point of having him, you know, They do want to play him, but the fact that he got hurt in the game against the Philadelphia Union kind of upset Stoke City, and that was a big deal. Yeah. If you didn't see the tackle, you should go see it, and you'll see how stupid and clumsy it was in a friendly game. Sometimes, you know, poor MLS. (laughs) They get the short of the stick on that one. But hey, it's nice that we get to see a former FC Dallas player and MLS member get to play for a EPL team. Hopefully he does get to play a lot this year. Let's talk about a former Clint Dempsey-led team. Fulham. I know y'all talked about them getting possibly relegated. This is my team that I've got in the relegation fight. Of the teams that were there last year, just because I mean, look, they got a much better goalkeeper in Stecklenburg. They still have Ruiz, who was improving last year, and then you know Martin Yol is Martin Yol, and they got Berbatov still. So it's just kind of one of those where we know what Yol does, and either Fulham kind of mid-tables, or we saw it last year, they were kind of starting to drop as the season went on. Is this finally the point where they just dropped completely? Possibly, and the only reason I say that is because their defense is uh, just I don't even know how you can describe their defense, because it's it's just pieces being put together and see if it works. You have Hangelin and like nobody. Yeah, it's all new guys. Uh, their midfield is probably their strongest part because they brought in some really good players. Derek Boateng is pretty good. Um, they got Tarabot from QPR on loan, which gives them another option at midfield. It, the fact, the biggest issue is going to be is can they score goals and can they stop teams from scoring goals on them? Because I think they allowed like teams to score five or more goals on him the most last year, something like and that. And their away record is still terrible. Yeah. Yep. So I think their defense needs to improve, and hopefully Martin Yo can figure it out. And then as long as their offense can keep them in games sometimes and get them some draws instead of losses, they'll be okay. But if that doesn't work out, yeah, they'll be in the relegation fight. Matt? Uh, Dimitri uh, Dimitar Berbatov, excuse me, was their sole savior last year. He had 15 goals last season, and I think he's going to have to need close to 20 in order to keep them alive. Um, I know they've been pushing for transfers. They just haven't made any big splashes. Um, uh, Gary, if you're not aware, this is the team that Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, recently purchased. Um, Oh, wow. Yes, so... The, the mustache is alive at Craven Cottage. But um, I honestly think Khan's going to have to spend some money this summer, but I have them just barely escaping relegation in uh, 16th place. But 
they they're going to need to make some moves in January, I think, in order to do that. And it's definitely going to have to be they need more goals. All right, before we talk about, or well, unless Joaquin went in a comment, sorry. No, 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 Matthew said everything. You know, they're just barely going to scrape by uh, relegation, but uh, they need they need a lot of work. <laughs> before we talk about the three newbies, which one of them was here not too long ago, uh, the other two haven't been here in a while. Uh, Crystal Palace actually hadn't been here since the first year of the Premier League in its current state. Uh, we got Sunderland, and we have a certain Josie Altidore, who should be starting, I hope, and do you have DiCanio, who, you know, he's, he's a fire plug, he loves to, uh, do, he, he loves to act like he scored all the goals <laughs> on the sideline. Seriously, Gary, you should watch this guy, like, celebrate. He goes and runs and does like a dive, like he scored. Really? <laughs> yeah. And and don't forget, he is a fascist. So. Yeah, oh, he's wow. a fascist. He's like one of his favorite people, I guess. <laughs> Be careful for him. Wow. They also brought in like nine new signings or whatever. So. Uh, which Jackarini from Juventus is a pretty good find. And according according to people on ESPN, they said that that was the worst signing of the EPL. So, really? Yes. What? Really? I was reading an article earlier today, and that's what it said. I was like, okay. Well, ESPN, uh, there was also one guy on ESPN that said uh, Schurler was like a big waste of $18 million. So, I guess whoever you believe. You know. Yeah. Whoa. Whatever that was. Misfire in the uh, live broadcast there, I guess. Yeah, like I, like I said earlier, Sun, it's going to be between Sunderland, Fulham. Uh, who else did I say? Sunderland, Fulham, West Brom, those three teams. They'll be battling it out for that last relegation spot. I think West Brom gets it. I have Sunderland 16th. They barely don't go down because I think or what 17th sorry uh, Josie Altador has a nice year and gets about like 15 goals and with along with Fletcher and uh, who's the other striker uh, Sessegnon is right behind Altador yeah Sessegnon and... see, I, I don't see I see Altador scoring like up 10 goals at most this year I just think I think it's going to be the different style of play because when he was with Hull City, granted, that was a horrible team he played on, and I won't base my opinion on that, but I think it's just the physical play that affects him a lot of times. Well, he can, he's grown as yeah, such a... He what, can be a physical player now. Well, I'm hoping he can be, but we'll see. I, I still have him around 10, 11 goals. That's not a bad first year in in the Premier League, though. Coming yeah. back from playing another like ten goals is not a failure for Josie yeah. Alf. He's not, not going to play every single game. Yeah, especially since he's he's now on a team where there are other big strikers around him that are going to contribute as well. 
Blumenthal as opposed to, you know, he was the guy at AZ. So he doesn't need to score a bunch of goals. Ten goals, I think, is a good and a realistic outlook for Altidore this season. He's going to score a goal every other game, so he'll be good. I just, I just have, okay. I just have issues with that, with the defense. And that, that's my only issue with them. All right. Unless anybody wants to comment, we're gonna go to the three newbies. We have Steve Bruce coming back into the EPL with Hull City, and they look to go be going straight back down. What? Uh. They're gonna win. Hey, they might they might compete with Derby County on the least amount of points in the Premier League campaign. Well, if you listen to some of the pundits, they say Crystal Palace is gonna be the one doing that. I would agree. No matter how much free flowing no, football they do. No, I don't know. I, I think Crystal Palace is better than Hull to me. Yep. <laughs> just just my. Hey, they they signed Shamak, so that means they're gonna be yeah, great, right? That's, that's like. That's like signing nobody. It's okay. <laughs> and Kevin Phillips is somehow still playing in the EPL at 40 years old. But hey, you know what? Yeah. More power to you. Uh, hey, I do want to see Crystal Palace because at least you know you're not going to be bored watching them. Yeah, I mean, they, but didn't they, they I just hate Manchester, to see them go down. Manchester United, I think it was last year or the year before. And then yeah. They cut that one guy. So they have a... Yeah, they lost in the cup to Crystal Palace, yeah. Well, I mean, you never know. I just think they're a 19th place team, not a 20th place team. <laughs> well, you know, Cardiff's got the big money from Malaysia. And they signed a pretty good player to help keep them up while they're at it. And they also, well, they signed Calker and uh, Cornelius from Copenhagen. And then they got Gary Michel uh, for 11 million pounds, which yes, I thought was Yes, exactly. I love that signing. That was a steal. Plus they got Greg Bellamy. Yeah, they, got, they have a pretty good team. They And they've been pretty good for the last three or four years. they just gotten yeah. really bad luck in the playoffs. Malky Mackey has turned this team around from a philosophical standpoint, and he has made some very shrewd and methodical transfer moves, which is why of the three, I give Cardiff the most likely to avoid relegation this year. Yeah. The only issue the only issue they have is their owner changing their jersey color from red to blue or something like yep. that. Or blue to red. Yeah. Blue to red. Well Crystal Palace changed their logo for this season. And Whole City tried to want to tried to change their name to Whole City Tigers. So there's there's plenty of controversy for these three to go around. Yeah, because we really need an Americanized name in a European <laughs> league. We're trying to grow our brand. You know, everybody else is city. We want to be something else. We want to be tigers. No, no. We, just, we already just, do that with McDonald's. We don't need to be doing that with soccer teams. Or just be the whole tigers instead of whole city. Yeah. Well, Whatever. I mean, it's their nickname. Just keep it as a nickname. Don't incorporate it into your full team name. That was my sarcastic voice, guys. I was I was agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know. That's just a stupid stupid idea to try to change your team name to that, but they can do whatever they want with their team, not mine. Technically, a lot of the f American football teams have FC after their name. Eh, you don't see that getting used. So, maybe 
whole city should take a clue. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for the team breakdowns or whatever. Hopefully we didn't do too bad on that front. I know Zlatan, I think, mentioned his Golden Boot winner. What do y'all think about yours, Matt and Joaquin? I have, uh, with an asterisk, I have Benteke from Aston Villa, and the asterisk is if Christian Bale leaves, I think... Soldado will get more service at Spurs, so then I would give him the nod in that case. Did you say Christian Bale? Oh, I'm sorry. Gareth Bale. I'm retarded. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The Dark Knight has come to Spurs. (laughs) Yeah. The Dark Knight returns for the first time again (laughs) in England. Uh, I'm gonna say Van Persie, every original. Yeah, he's just too good. I I can't see it not happening. It's, it's, to me, it's he's gonna be first, second, or third, and then my other two are gonna be the Spanish assault that's come into England with Negredo and Soldado. They just they have so much talent around them. They need to be scoring. Does anybody think, depending on who you listen to, Navas is either the worst signing or the best signing for City? Yeah. I, I think he's good. I think he's good. Uh, underrated, too. He's a, he's an they were so narrow last year. Yeah. You need width at some point. Uh, he, he's a good wing player. That's, if they can keep him there and don't have to move him around, he'll, be, he'll work fine. And him and Silva on the wing... That's pretty pretty impressive right there. And he's an energy guy, something that I think they'll need this year as well. So I think he's a yeah. good signing. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I don't know where they came up with the whole novice is a horrible sign. Maybe he's not like the guy from Spain you want to sign out of anybody. But, I mean, for maybe they overpaid for him, I guess. I mean, the same thing was but, being said. People were saying that some people didn't like the Santi Carzola signing last year with Arsenal, saying that he wasn't really a Premier League type player, and look what he does. So it just depends on how. I seem to say that a lot about. I mean, I mean, La Liga people. Doesn't it say a lot about about Spanish players that they they do transcend in the BPL more so than the English players that get you know overpaid? Well, um, yeah, some of them, some of them don't. It just depends on the player, really. I mean, because we keep on talking about Spanish players, you know, and all, you know all these all these you know Spanish players coming to the BPL, and you know, and look what they're doing. They're they're helping you know mid mid table teams, you know, uh, top you know level teams. So I mean, you know. Speaking of Spanish players, well, they're on a Spanish team right now. Anyway, Fabregas, Ozil, or Modric wind up at United before the windows no. closed? I don't no. think so. All right. So the, another more hot air for David Moyes then. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And Suarez is not going to go anywhere? Uh, I'll Maybe in January if stuff yeah. is exploding. I'll, <laughs> I'll give him like a week. If he doesn't get sold within the next week or two. Unless if Liverpool gets a crazy amount and just can't refuse it, he'll stay till January. They'll see how it how it's going. 
And if it's going okay and they're actually doing well, he'll stay. If not, just just send them off. It's better to send them off. Like Man City, they're they're gonna benefit from sending off Balotelli and Tevez. So you don't need all that distraction. All right, just for some fun, let's get into top fours of other leagues since they're kind of important, you know, as far as Champions League and all that stuff. Is it Bayern, Dortmund, and Bust in Germany? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. No. No? I think this year, Bayern Leverkusen wins it. There we go. I'll give them. I'll give them. Bayern Leverkusen 1, Munich 2, Dortmund 3. <clears throat> and then I'll give... Uh, I don't know. I'll give Schalke 4. There we go. There's my top 4. Pretty interesting. Props for Zlatan having a top 4 there. <laughs> hey, I, mean, I don't know about Leverkusen, but yeah. It's been up there the last few years. I'm hoping that they just win it. It would be a nice change instead of having the Munich and Dortmund and all the usuals. Yeah. Speaking of usuals, uh, we can pretty much assume what we know La Liga is going to be, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna... Is it is Madrid giving Barcelona a fight or? No, it's, it's going to be Barcelona Madrid. Um, I don't even know. I don't know. I'll give Sevilla third. Athletic. Even if they get bail? Atletico Madrid fourth. If they get bail, they get within three points instead of nine. There we go. <laughs> Is bail really worth $100 million? No. No. But I hope no. they buy them so, so they waste money. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, seriously, Gareth Bale had one good year. This is like... Uh... What's the basketball player of the moment that gets what whatever basketball player that gets paid overpaid after one year, Gary? That's what Gareth Bale is getting it, paid like, for. Oh, jeez. When he got signed by the Redskins, that that's what it is. Wow. That that's the equivalent. That's how you look at it. Wow, that's. But true. seriously, Gary, like a hundred and something million dollars for one player. Yeah, that's. It, we see this in football. Ball over like a six-year span, but is Messi worth that much? <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know. I'm... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Messi's worth that much. I mean, yeah, he's worth it, but is somebody gonna offer that much? No. No. Exactly. Oh, I bet Real Madrid offers that much if they can get him. Mm-hmm. The Real Madrid probably give up two hundred million and like half their squad for him. <laughs> yeah. Just to say they could have him defect to Real Madrid, even though that will never happen. Yep. He's he's too loyal to. Yeah. Is Rooney gonna move anywhere? No. Finally, no. I know I said this once, but. No, I don't think so. Not even in January. No. Not. They they need him more than they actually real. They, Moyes will find a way to make him happy before they allow that. And it-
if he does get shipped out, it will have to be somewhere not in EPL. They won't sell him somewhere else in England. So PSG is going to have to want to pony up the money or somebody else is going to have to want to buy him. And I see Moyes more likely to try and make a compromise to make Rooney happy before that happens. Anybody want to guess what's going to happen in Serie A this year? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, uh, go ahead. I, I don't know. I'm just going to go with Napoli finishing first, Juventus second. Um, darn, I have no idea. AC Milan third. Um, let me go with something crazy. I'll say... I'll say... Fiorentina gets fourth. There we go. That's a little far stretch for him. Did you have Juventus in there at all? Yeah, they're second. Okay, okay. AC Milan yeah, wins it with Balotelli winning the Golden Boot. Juventus coming in second. AS Roma with their new manager, Michael Bradley being a beast. And then Napoli in fourth. Regardless, I think it's going to be absolute mess. It's going to be like a... Train wreck, ready to watch. Yes, it's so, gonna it's gonna be exciting. We'll put it yeah, that like, way. There's, there's eight to ten teams that could literally finish in the top four. Agreed. So, yeah. See parody. Yeah, that that would be a fun league to watch. Kind of like MLS. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Getting back to MLS. With more talent. Do they need to change the All Star game? Because there's people that think that we need to go back to the East West format. Or do we stick with the bringing European teams over here so we can get crushed? Or just bring in smaller teams? Well, we're going to start playing uh, Southampton. Bring in Wigan. Bring in Wigan and we can beat Wigan. Oh, yeah. I like the I like the format it is just because you know we get to we get to bring in a new we get to bring in you know a different team I know historically we've brought in you know English teams because those are the big no one known ones but I wouldn't mind seeing sort of a trend like this year where you know we picked AS Roma mostly because they were available and because of Michael Bradley if we start going after teams to sort of feature prominent members of the national team who are playing overseas. So, you know, maybe we go after, maybe we try and get Everton in next year, you know, because of Tim or Sunderland. Out. Yeah, or Sunderland with Josie. Or, you know, if, you know, one of the one of the bigger, newer national team members, you know, ends up leaving after the World Cup, maybe we look at them next year. So I wouldn't mind that trend. I think once we get to the point where we have, you know, it, at the All-Star game, you know, uh, the commissioner said that, you know, we were going to try and get to 24 teams by 2020. If we get to the point where we have 24 teams, then I think we could build a solid 18-man roster from two conferences of 12 teams, you know, especially, uh, you know, with teams getting better and better in the process of getting those 24 teams. But right now... It's not U.S. versus the world. Okay. (laughs) I... That that world roster would be would be really really interesting, I think, because you'd have like three or four big name DPS, and then basically just like a Concacaf super team. So I don't know. That that would be hey, interesting. Hey. That would be interesting, Sean. I don't know that it would be the best idea. Eh, true. <clears throat> I still say the NBA needs to go that route, but that's just me. Uh. Oh, yeah, the expansion thing. 
So, which teams do you want to see get a team, and which teams do you think are going to get a team? Well, you know my support for a team in St. Louis. That's just my ideal location for a team St. Louis. Um, Florida. It could be Miami or Orlando. I'm trying to think of other areas that need a team. Detroit and Minnesota supposedly are yeah, they, they front have, runners. I don't know about Detroit. Detroit doesn't need any more issues. Their city. San, San Antonio. San, uh, San Antonio. Yes. Okay, I would want I'd want a team in St. Louis, but in all honesty, even though I'd be kind of weirded by it being from Los Angeles, I Chivas needs to be rebought and branded something else. So I'm not going to count them in that. But no, I'd like they, to. They need to move. Yes, I, okay, but that that's another discussion for another time. I want to see a team in St. Louis. I want to see Orlando City make it. I think they are the best team not in MLS in the United States, and I think they're the team most ready once they get their stadium ready. I think San Antonio has an awesome stadium, and they're building great with their support group. I would love to see them make it. And then fourth, I'm going to go on a limb here and say the Carolina Rail Hawks from uh, the uh, Triangle area in North Carolina. Now, as to who I think is going to get it, I think Orlando City will. I think they're the most ready. All indications are that Miami is the spot for Beckham, so I think that's going to happen at some point. And then my guess would probably my guess would probably be another USL pro team in a slightly larger market. And then there's probably a wild card coming out of nowhere that we have no good forecasting or indication that it's in the works at the moment. That's what I predict. I just hope it's not another Canada team. Kind of tired of the Canada teams. We got three. That's enough. I think there's only one more Canada team that I would even consider, and that's like Edmonton or somebody. Yeah. A good Canada team. That's kind of a stretch. Let's let's get Toronto FC to not suck anymore before we give Canada. Yeah, really. I mean, you got (laughs) Vancouver doing okay. Montreal's not... What, too terrible? Montreal's like first or second right now. Yeah, so... Montreal's going to make the playoffs. Vancouver could make yeah. the playoffs. And Vancouver isn't impact. bad. Yes, they're making an impact. Meanwhile, we've got <laughs> Toronto <laughs> FC spending almost as much money as the Galaxy and the New York Red Bull. And they are last in the league with all their DP plans failing horribly, consistently transferring out players. And I just, I don't know what's going on. And I don't think Kevin Payne knows what's going on. And he's their general manager. I think Kevin Payne needs to go. Uh, He just got there. Well, he needs to go some more. (laughs) Somewhere. Because it's not working. (laughs) Well, I mean, Toronto's always done this, haven't they? They just bring in these big names and then it doesn't work. Well, it's just, it's instability, Sean. I think this is their seventh year in MLS, and Ryan Nelson is their eighth head coach. I think that speaks volumes to their stability as an organization. So they've they've got other managerial issues beyond what's the team they're actually fielding on the pitch. It's not their fault that, you know, they're fielding basically a bunch of babies and a bunch of old English guys that, you know, Ryan Nelson used to play with last February. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love to see one in San Antonio so you can have the Texas Triumphant, like we have in basketball. 
Uh, plus, their support is great down there. I'd hate to... If you do have to have one in Florida, I guess it does have to go to Orlando. I'd like to be able to go watch an MLS team being here in Miami, but Orlando has the support. They deserve it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if St. Louis can ever get somebody to competently try to actually make a bid, it'd be nice to have a team there. Well, they, they, they've been talking about it. Their former team they used to have in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're talking about bringing them back. I forgot their name. I went to um I would I went to a little rally of a little organization. I went to the I'm I'm based in St. Louis and I went to the uh the Real Madrid um Inter Milan game and they had a little pre uh sort of thing. So I think it's MLS in St. Louis is the name of the official organization. Look them up on Facebook or Twitter and they're trying to get an ownership group. So there's rumblings, but rumblings don't mean anything unless you have money and infrastructure. And I still think Sacramento is going to make noise over there in California. Not that they need any more California teams, but you know MLS is going to think about it. If anything, they can move Chivas over there. Sacramento can have them. (laughs) Yeah, please do, and please don't make them Chivas anymore. Move the two teams I hate to NorCal to just further perpetuate my SoCal superiority complex. Oh, Lord. That's another question for another day. Indeed. Uh, well, we might as well call it a night. I gotta work in like six hours, and and Slotin has to get up early to watch Liverpool. So, yay! Uh, for all of us here, uh, Matthew Pollard, Joaquin Garcia, Slotin has his Gary Vaughn, of course. And myself, make sure you tune in next week. We're going to have guests. Uh, are you going to be back, Z, or no, for uh, the college football? Depending on how my uh, moving into a new apartment and stuff goes. Ah, where are you moving to? I'm just like down the street. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that nice? When you get to move down the street, you don't have to take a U-Haul all the way somewhere. Uh, Matt, are you going to... Um, I will, uh, to be determined, I'll let you know. Alrighty. We're, we're planning Saturday at like nine or something like that. Okay, let's see. Uh, alrighty. So you heard it. Saturday, be here next week, uh, nine Eastern, eight Central. Would that be six Pacific? If you're around, listen to us in the chat. Make you can call us at uh, 972-591-8620. Uh, spread the word about football to football. We're gonna have a Facebook group that I'm gonna make like tomorrow when I get off work. And you know, hopefully, all of you will join and and talk about all things sports, entertainment, video games, whatever you want to. We're going to touch on a lot of things here in this uh, mostly sports show, but we'll get into other stuff. Um, After these three weeks of previews, we'll eventually get into what and actually become a show and have topics and whatnot. But things are just happening all at once. Yeah, I just started at the right time for all the previews, so (laughs) it kind of helps out. But, you know, I can't wait to get to just get it done and having an exciting show for everybody to listen to. 
Alrighty. Well, until next week, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Night, guys.